Hello and welcome back to the Super Show podcast. Today I am the host. I am Alex Jones, better known as Jonesy, <laughs> but I'm um, I'm joined by the one and only Jamie today. He is here um, with me, and Chris cannot be. So, hi, Jamie. I am here with you, Jonesy. I love the way you introduce yourself when you're hosting. It's so authoritative you know you really you. put your stamp on things right at the start i try i have to let people know that it's not going to be as good because chris isn't here but you know i'll, I'll try uh, my best i as far as i'm aware he's been whisked off to paris i think he said something about having to photograph some of the world's leading lingerie models i might be making that up but uh i'm pretty sure that's what the message said what a terrible excuse to not be here on the podcast i know but, can um, you believe him the cheek of it absolutely outrageous um but hey yeah if you want to get in contact with us if you want to drop us a comment or anything you can find us at super show pod on twitter and on youtube we are available on youtube as a video podcast you can see our little smiling faces but we're also available jamie across some um, major podcasting platforms aren't we like spotify itunes google podcasts and a whole host of other ones that i don't know and chris only mm. knows by heart so um, deezer I won't mention deezer's them. one of them that's all i know it is, yeah, that's one of them. Um, but hey, at this point, we have to mention the people who actually make this podcast uh, possible. The ones who keep it going, they keep this train chugging. They are, of course, our, um, our patrons over at patreon.com. Um, they are a very special group of people. And without them, we I'd probably be a trolley wally. Is that what, are you allowed to say What's that? a trolley wally? Like somebody pushes trolleys around in a car park. Oh, okay. When you said, are you allowed to say that? I thought you were about to tell me that there's some really antiquated slur that you're now resurrecting for the sake nah, of this podcast. I suppose it's a bit mean to people that push trolleys around, but I've done a that as a trolley wally. Who calls so, yeah. them a trolley wally I think for my, working in a supermarket? I think my granddad used to when I was little. Your granddad? Oh, well, then it's definitely probably has deeper no, meanings that I we might, should go into. Maybe we'll bleep that when we actually yeah. come to the <laughs> No, it'll be fine. Uh, if, so, if I repeat some of the stuff my, that come out of my grandmother's mouth on this podcast, we'd be in deep, deep trouble. No, not trolley, not Wally. It's Dolly. Sorry, trolley, Dolly, trolley, Dolly. Right? Okay, okay. Trolley, Dolly doesn't I sound too bad, I guess. I think it was that was a time when he, I guess, he'd seen some like attractive ladies pushing trolleys, and he was like, trolley dollies. Yeah. I don't Do you know. know what? Whatever. If people are listening to this or watching this and there wasn't a bleep when Jonesy said what he said, <laughs> then it clearly means we're sticking with our guns. We hope it's not racially insensitive and you're going to have to let us know in the comments down below whether or not Jonesy's been cancelled. Yeah, please don't cancel me. <laughs> um, but hey, let me mention some of our Patreons because they are, uh, they are awesome. Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brett Zerberg, Freddie K Official, Hacksaw Book Reed, Javela Cujo, Leo Merger, Lonnie Thompson, Manuel Guerrero, Martin Skihan, Mindful Pig, Nathan Pierce, Starfall Kid, William Sherry, you absolute legends, and of course, the big dogs, it's Peaswad and the Dude Abides. We really are incredibly grateful to all of you and all of our other patrons um, for keeping us being able to get together and, and produce content for this. And we're currently trying to make some more content and we um, do some behind the scenes stuff as well, don't we, Jamie, that people won't even know about unless there are patrons Indeed, we do we have special little one-off podcasts we have a little series called after dark which is kind of a slightly more i don't know humorous less gaming e take on the product that we create week in week out for you guys anyway but uh that's all there for you if you feel the need to to pledge and support us but whether you do or whether you don't it's all appreciated it, it can get weird can't it uh, be warned the it, it can, it can, can get, get weird. weird like the last one wasn't so weird if anything it ended up being more of a life advice podcast than anything else <laughs> but true. certainly one we once we start the, uh hypothetically talking about whether or not the pied piper of hamlin was in fact a pedo who was just trying to lure away kids to do it's, unpleasant things yeah. then that's when we get into risky territory it's and you guys strange. 
Yeah, you. but you guys are the people that allow us to venture into that risky territory by making it unlisted on YouTube and not having to run ads on it or anything weird like that. So thank you, each and every one of you. So I don't know about you, Jonesy, but every time I look at the Patreon nowadays, I'm like, how did it get this far? How, what did we do to deserve this? <laughs> I feel exactly the same way, and it makes me smile every time. And I just hope that long may it continue. So um, there you go. Um, but at this point we uh, have to have a comment of the week and we have to um, pick something um, and I've picked this week this is a comment that comes in from uh, Brady Davidson um, who said is it bad that I watch the two hour plus podcasts at 1.25 speed love the extra content but I don't have time for all that and I'm going to say no that is absolutely fine given that that's how Chris watches everything in his entire life right exactly Brady you're a man after Chris's heart Chris watches every single thing on youtube at two times speed and i've got to be honest jonesy i don't like to admit it but it's something that i have taken to do fairly often as well sometimes even with our own stuff when i'm re-watching an old podcast or watching it back during the edit to make sure there are no mistakes or no one said anything we have to cut out um speeding up just a little bit you start to sound more fluid you start to sound more confident like you know what you're talking about and i like that that is good, although the only problem I have with it is if I watch things sped up, if I then watch something slowed down, it sounds really slow to me. Oh, yeah. And I don't like that feeling. It makes me feel kind of weird, so I try not to do it too often. Yeah. But Even worse when it applies to real life. You go from a two-time speed podcast to a real-life conversation, you're just like, why are these humans talking so slowly? What is wrong with the world? <laughs> you think that you've got a really deep voice compared to everyone else because they're just slightly yeah. chipmunk. Yeah, but um, there we go. But no, that's fine. What uh, do what you need to do? You do you is is what exactly. I say to, exactly. to fit it in. Um, we do ramble on for over two hours sometimes, so sometimes <laughs> yeah. you need that. Anyone that doesn't like the two hour podcast, they can very easily be a one hour podcast. Just heading over to YouTube and click that two times speed button, baby. Yeah, if anyone out there listens to it even quicker, let us know in the comments down below. Like the speed you listen to the podcast. So we had some comment this week, like, yeah, I just download it, whack it in VLC, and watch it on five times speed. It's over in a GIF. <laughs> oh, that it would be intolerable, wouldn't it? It would, be, it would just be Alvin and the Chipmunks, but um, us I yipping away about games. That. Our voices getting all chipmunky. That would be quite fun. Yeah. Um, Patreon exclusive, the Chipmunk pa- podcast. Oh, we could, we should definitely do that. The Patreon, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe the Patreon right. exclusive. Anyway, sorry, but no, I want to know, Jamie, what you have been up to since we um, last got together on the podcast. What you've been, what you've been playing, what Indeed. you've been doing. Do you know what? It's been quiet in gaming terms, at least, because I have a little bit more to do on the work front. So I've played one thing, one solitary thing. Oh, but luckily, it is new, so new, in fact, that at the time of recording, or though admittedly not by the time of this podcast being released. It kind of isn't out yet, but then kind yeah. of is. Uh, and that's Marvel's Avengers. Nice. Hooray for all the Marvel's Avengers fans who are eagerly anticipating more of Marvel's Avengers talk on this podcast after fucking, what was it, three, four weeks of consecutive feedback on that beta as all three of us played it sort of in tears. Yeah, I think someone on your stream yesterday even mentioned the fact that we must be shilling for Marvel's Avengers because yeah. we keep was- talking about it. Yeah, inside like the first minute of me going live yesterday, someone was like, oh, yeah, more Marvel's <laughs> Avengers shilling, which was great because that was within a week of us being accused of shilling for DC for talking about the fandom so much. That's true. That's very true. Long story short, we shouldn't talk about comic book shit anymore. But um, yeah. It's hard though because when it comes out in in sort of a stage release as it has done over the last month or so, it's difficult to not talk about it. And I know I stream some, you stream some. Chris didn't play it until the open beta that happened only a week ago. So we apologise if you're getting a little bit fatigue from Avengers, but you're going to have to endure just a little bit more. I'll keep it brief because I don't think my thoughts and likewise I don't think your thoughts will have changed too much when you have played it at least from the beta because 
I mean, it's, it's the same game. They were, that beta was very representative of a lot of what you're going to be doing through your time with it. What I will say is that going from the beta to the full game, obviously you have access to a full campaign, which provides a little bit more context to not just what's going on with the wider story, but characters, especially Kamala Khan, her backstory, her reasons for going on the adventure she's going on. And I will say that she becomes a far more fleshed out, well-rounded, even likable character at times, and her relationship and her sort of banter with the two characters that I've met so far, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark, actually kind of interesting, didn't hate it, occasionally cringe, but then again, they are literally creating a teenage protagonist, right? Right. I think Cameron was saying on Twitch yesterday on the live stream that he was getting Life is Strange vibes. It's like, yeah, that's what happens when you make games about teenage girls that are written by adult men. Like, (laughs) things get a little bit weird, you know? They've got to be careful Um, in how they uh, put a voice to those characters sometimes. Yeah. I guess the long and short of it is... I'm having a good time with it so far. I had fun. I think the combat is sufficiently fun. I think the story is sufficiently interesting. I have question marks over that game's long-term appeal and potential as a games-as-a-service title, some of which we're going to get into later in the news, so stay tuned for that, or get ready to skip that, as the case (laughs) may be. I don't know where people's heads are at at the moment. But I'm having a good enough time with it, and I think it's a sufficiently decent game across the board, if somewhat unremarkable in most aspects as well. You know? Yes. Well, and I think th- that's all it needs to be. Sure. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that I thought looked a bit more fleshed out, or, which I suppose is you'd expect um, from the beta when I was watching you over at uh, twitch.tv forward slash full, full fat Jamie. Um, full flat Jamie, maybe full one day, mate. Full, full get that, fat. Get that keto diet in effect and who knows, maybe we'll be full flat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was the fact that I was kind of worried about how that single player would develop. Um, I thought they might have sort of done it a bit of a um, a disservice, but it actually looks like there's a decent single player campaign there. I mean, obviously I have to play it. I haven't played it yet. Um, And because I suppose I was worried it was going to be a short little single player and then they were going to dump you into the multiplayer and that was not enough. Like there was definitely not enough um, teased by the beta, but hey, Here's his hoping that it will feel... The um, thing I said on the stream yesterday was that when you play games like The Division, and to a slightly lesser extent Destiny, although Destiny did have cutscenes, but let's say The Division, a lot of the things that happen in The Division story-wise, are you going to start conversations with people and having in-engine cutscenes set in one room, which usually a discussion back and forth between the character and an NPC. Right. There's a lot more going on in Marvel's Avengers. They didn't spend the money to hire Troy Baker and Nolan North and whoever else for no reason. There is an attempt to tell a real interesting cinematic story. To the extent to which that works for everyone is going to vary across the board. But they have tried, and there are production values that are decent almost across the board, not just in the game's visuals, but in the presentation and in the cutscenes. And some of those scenes, you do feel like you're playing a genuine cinematic narrative-driven experience because that's what they're trying to create alongside the slightly more confusing, questionable multiplayer games-as-a-service elements. Right. Hence why some people are going to come away from this kind of feeling like it was an over-ambitious game that tried to work in too many elements. Right. Do you know what I'll say to kind of put a bow on it? And and this doesn't really sum up my thoughts. It's more just a kind of a blanket uh, statement, uh, and then we can move on. There are a lot of people I've seen online so far in the, their early reaction to this game, be it hands-on or hands-off, that feel like, for whatever reason, their response to it has to be binary. I don't think we fall into that category. I, see I mean, don't yeah. think our audience, our community, fall into that category. If you're watching or listening to this, I'm not talking about you. But, you know, the slightly more enigmatic, you know, boisterous internet users nowadays 
feel like this game either has to be the best thing since sliced bread, and if it's not, it's a catastrophic failure. It's a train wreck. And the, the obvious answer that we all know is that that's simply not true. There is a grey area, and Marvel's Avengers occupies that grey area. No one thing about it is best in class, but nothing about it is disastrous. And for some people, that's going to be fine, and for other people, that won't be fine. But on a case-by-case basis, people are going to make that decision and get on with their lives. It doesn't have to be you know, the poster boy for... It doesn't have to be the new anthem. It doesn't have to be the next big disaster. It can just be fine, and in my opinion, that's what it is. I know fine's a dumb word to use to wrap up a whole game, but it doesn't have to be either, like, you love it or you hate it. It can be in the middle. I've seen exactly the same thing as you've said. I've seen a lot of sort of polarised opinions, Um, and which is interesting to me because um, someone who... I Like I said, I haven't played the, uh, the actual game yet, but I already think if it's at like a seven out of ten, then that's kind of where I expect it to be, and then I think it'll be. I think it'll be fine. I'm not expecting it to be a ten out of ten. I'm expecting it to be playable, enjoyable in that universe, and that'd be yeah, that'd be fine by me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're gonna have to let us know next week <laughs> whether or not you've got what you bargained for, oh, and people are gonna have to figure out how long to skip for that segment as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just say anyway. a number. I won't talk about it. I'll just say a number. <laughs> Oh, a number like a number out of 10. You're just going to score it. I'll just score it. Yeah, exactly. Just give it a number. Okay, maybe that's what we should do in the future. Every time a new game comes out, the week Cyberpunk comes out, the podcast, we go, (laughs) I just just sit and go nine and we move on. That's it. That's it. Anyway, what have you been up to, big man? Uh, I've similar to you. I've been doing a lot of um, uh, a lot of other work, a lot of things to keep me busy. But I did get a chance to um, stream some Flight Simulator 2020, um, which I ha- had a great time doing. Because for anyone who missed it, I did it with my dad, and he is an airline pilot, and he flies the Airbus A320, or one of the things he flies is an A320 for EasyJet here in the UK. Um, and so <laughs> he has. I don't think he's touched a flight sim for about 10, 15 years. So Jeez. I invited him over to do a stream and with no controls prompting anything um we sort of sat down uh and we flew from Luton to Gatwick and it was almost it wasn't but it almost it was a bit like um you know prove that you're a pilot so he and he said do this do this do this do this and he told me about how to do everything we set all the game settings to realistic and hard mode and we did a one and a half hour live stream I nearly crashed right at the end on the landing Um, but apart from that Every, it was, yeah, it was great. It was brilliant. And I think he was impressed by how uh, good it looked and how close to reality it was. Although he had some little issues where it didn't quite match up with exactly as the as the plane is. Um, okay. And, but no, it was cool. It was a fun stream to do. And it was good to sort of sit and, and see a professional uh, go through go through that. And I actually put it on my YouTube channel as well because I thought it was, um, it was a cool video. I know there's a lot of people out there who... Um, or get really into the flights in games and him talking about how some of the stuff works and how the the nav works and how the autopilot works was interesting to me anyway um yeah i, I was uh lucky enough to be in the audience jonesy to catch it live over on twitch.tv forward slash super show jonesy there you go you did it for me i'll do it for you <laughs> you scratch my back i'll scratch yours but it was kind of fascinating like obviously flight sim in itself is a Really cool thing that I enjoy watching other people interact with more than I enjoy interacting with myself. But watching actual pilot mess with that stuff kind of brought it to the next level. And the nice thing was, uh, for the live stream anyway, obviously your dad was there and was answering questions. So I was answering it. I was asking him shit like, what's the most scared he's ever been on a plane? To which your dad said, don't get scared. Yeah, like never. In fucking, <laughs> like in fucking full-on action hero territory. Um but it's cool being able to ask those questions 
And I will say, legitimately, hands down, the best part of the stream was the fact that you decided to take control away from a professional pilot just to <laughs> land the plane yourself in what must have what you made look like two hundred uh, mile per hour winds. It probably was more like five, but you made a right <laughs> dog's dinner of that landing. So I, I actually because I've I tried to fly the same the plane again and land it after, and I realised okay. it was nothing to do with the wind. I was assuming it was the wind. It was because because it's such a big plane there's a delay on when you push the joystick over and when the plane turns and so i'd push the right. plane over it started to turn and then i obviously had overturned or oversteered because it wasn't going fast enough at the when you first started exactly and then i tried to correct it by quickly going back the other way and then i completely destroyed it but yeah hey it was all worth it i thought i put a lovely <laughs> little bow on on that uh, on that segment yeah, it was perfect it, way to end it. Added a bit of um, excitement that you don't usually get in a in a real flight. So there you go. Um, yeah. The only other thing I was going to mention from this week was something I didn't get to do, but I am looking forward to is that the release of Bill and Ted Three. Um, oh, what is it called? Face the music. Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, the right. release date in the US at least, and I guess North America, was on, I think it was like three days ago. I can't actually remember the specific date. I have to wait a little bit longer because in the UK, it is not until the, I think it's like the end of this month or possibly even, no, I think it's the end of this month. I think it's, so it was end of August for North America and September, I think, for the rest of the world. But I'm psyched about that. So I watched, uh, I'm re-watching the Bill and Ted movies again to get myself, you know, to, to put, put me like on a nice little simmer until I actually go and get to see it. You're, you're um, going to hate cinema. me, Jonesy. Go on. Never seen a single Bill, Bill and Ted movie. That is. Yeah. Did you watch the cartoon as a kid? No, never seen a, a single ounce of it. I think Shocking. watching the trailer for the new one was the first exposure I've had to any kind of Bill and Ted content whatsoever. And I was a little bit taken aback by its style, I guess. <laughs> it was. I, I know that's the charm of it, but... Well, see, I think I'm I'm with you in that this the trailer for the new one seems kind of odd. Like I wasn't expecting the sort of humor and that was in it because it's much more of a right. I think the originals are much more of a um, you can laugh at them, but they're not wholly comedic. They're, they're not constantly dropping jokes and things like a a traditional sort of comedy. They're more. Um, I suppose it's more situational comedy, I guess, like ridiculous situations, and then comedy um, ensues. But I think in this, there's some parts in the comedy trailer where they're ensues. wearing muscle suits and they're in prison, and it's like I saw that in the trailer, weird actually, kind of stuff. Um, so you say that's weird. I look at that and think, okay, like that's actually more the style of humour that I could potentially get into. Plus, the reviews it, for it have been decent, right? That yeah, which I'm worried about. I don't want to get too hyped. Oh, you're me. worried about that because if I get too uh, if, oh. if I sort of build up so it's the opposite to Marvel's Avengers I thought Marvel's Avengers was going to be trash and then it looked like it's actually alright so now I'm pleasantly surprised if I believe okay. that Face the Music is good and then I see it and it's more of a um, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot um, I thought you, I thought you didn't I'll be sad I thought you didn't mind Jay and Silent Bob am I mistaken I liked it for the nostalgia but it was not a good Jay and Silent Bob movie oh, it was It was fine it was fine like we said earlier it was fine but yeah, yeah. So I've got either way, Jonesy. You've done a pretty good job of getting your movie watching fix in during all this weird sort of like quasi quarantine time, and um, putting me to shame. I'll be honest; I'm feeling a bit guilty over just how badly my movie watching uh, activities have been. You, yeah, your homework for next week is to watch Bill and Ted: Excellent Adventure and Bogus. Do you Journey. know what? So, yeah. But do you know what's depressing is like you're literally not even the first person to give me quote unquote homework in terms <laughs> of watching movies during this time, and I continue to fail across the board. I'll try but I'm almost certainly going to fail. I tried to make my four-year-old watch Bill and Ted with me and he refused. 
He was like, no. That doesn't surprise. That doesn't surprise me. Did he wait? Did he refuse before he even started watching it, or did he refuse halfway through watching it? No, no. Before he was like, I don't want to watch that because <laughs> no. I, I think he I looked was, at the he looked at the cover and was like, nah, fuck that. Well, I would have been his age when the first film came out in like eighty nine. So this seemed to me to make really? sense. Yeah, yeah, because it came out in eighty nine. I was born, but, in like, but you didn't. You wouldn't have watched it at that age, right? No, no, no. I, I watched them both when I was about six or seven. I think. Right. But there you go. Anyway. Shall we that, crack on to the news? Yeah, let's do some news. Let's, um, we've rattled through what we've been up to. Um, and yeah. we're quite lucky in this in this respect, Jamie, because literally 15 minutes before we went live, <laughs> no, some yeah. news dropped. A peek behind the curtain, we were literally going through every source we could to try and find <laughs> news stories because we were so worried about how little news there was that we could actually sink our teeth into. And then something happened, didn't it, Jonesy? It did indeed. The Mario 35th anniversary direct went up on YouTube uh, and we quickly went through the news, watched that, read up the press release, and then you lovingly explained to me about four times what they'd well, actually said because I kept getting confused. We were getting our wires crossed because, Jonesy, you were watching, I believe, the Nintendo Direct and you were flicking through it on YouTube. I was going through the press release and reading stuff out and because they announced about, if you read the press release at least, like 25 different things, all of which have the word Mario in Yes. Most of which also have the word Super, a lot of which have the word All-Stars for some reason. They announced about 50 different products that yeah. all sound the same. But the important part is some of them also sound really fucking awesome. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, do you want to go through some of these then? Because uh, you will yeah, probably I- not make a dog's dinner of it like I will. Well, I'll try my best not to, but uh, who knows where we're going to go with this. I'll start with, let's go kind of in order of what I think we might be most excited by. I think certainly each of us have one that kind of appeals to our sensibilities. And I'll start with the one that I'm sure most people have already guessed speaks to me, and I'm guessing most of the people watching as well, which is Super Mario 3D All-Stars. This was a game that had been rumoured for a long time. It had been, quote-unquote, leaked a couple of times, but it's finally been confirmed it is real. It is a packaging of... Three of the, dare I say three of the best? I'm glad Chris isn't here because he'd argue that they've missed out the best one ever. But three very good 3D Mario games in the form of Super Mario 64, the N64 smash hit that sort of started everything off, Super Mario Sunshine, the occasionally maligned GameCube title, and Super Mario Galaxy, uh, which was a Nintendo Wii game and is obviously the first of the two Galaxy games and arguably the weaker one, but still very good. The key thing here, Jonesy, is they've been compiled into one package they've got quote-unquote higher resolutions than their original games and have been optimized for a smooth gameplay experience on the nintendo switch so i don't think we're going to get into full remake territory but higher resolutions and smooth sounds like you know in nintendo's words if you kind of translate that into what that means as a game i'm sure that's gonna be fine right but this is genius right because this is um they, they've done this and, they, and we're only at like game number one like, but uh, well game number one of three um, with three sorry in it but I want stuff on my Switch I haven't played my Switch in a, probably a couple of months now since um, yep. Animal Crossing uh, and I only played that because I was going to make a video out of it and then I didn't but I would love some more Super Mario content for my Switch um, but 3D stuff not old stuff I want to you know and I want it remastered I want it looking crisp and so they're, they're going to scratch that itch and I'll be very surprised if I didn't go and pick up quite a few of these um titles that they're they're dropping originally they said that all these games will be coming out between now and um spring of 2021 am i right but then they have a dis- yeah. had a disclaimer because of covid that there might be delays and so we don't know exactly when some of these things are 
going to come out. That's right. There's a bunch of caveats. So the first thing, as Joji said, is that as a, uh, as a result of the potential knock-on effects of COVID, which is still ongoing, some of these release dates won't stick. The other thing which you hinted at, Jonesy, is that March 31st, 2021 is a date that appears a lot in this press release because that seems to be the end of when this sort of celebration of Mario is happening. I'm yes. not really sure why they've imposed this date. There are a couple of games that are sort of servicey that seem like they're ending at that date. There's one game, in fact, 3D Mario All-Stars, the, 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 sorry, Mario 3D All-Stars, I'll get it right so there's no confusion, the game we were just talking about, that they say, I'm just going to have to read the press release here because this is bizarre. <laughs> a limited production of Super Mario 3D All-Stars launches exclusively for the Nintendo Switch family of systems on September 18th, so that's just a few weeks away, which is great news, and will be available until approximately March 31st, 2021. So they are creating, unless we're misinterpreting a press release, some weird temporary exclusivity around some of this stuff with regards to the dates it's going to be available. And it I don't know why. Like why would they do that, though? Um, I think the only reason I can I can think of is something you mentioned, I think, just before this, is that in order to sort of drive some kind of, um, not fake, but some sort of uh, limited time desirability. And if you don't get it, you'll miss out on it. And so maybe that is what they go for. But it does seem odd. And it does. If you've done it, then why not? The, the, the example I kind of half quoted to you beforehand that I remember because I worked at Blockbuster at the time is there was something very strange in Harry Potter. And I know there are a few Potter fans um, amongst our community and hopefully they can help us out in the comments. But there was something very strange that happened when they first brought all those movies together into one box set and brought it out on Blu-ray. The, there was something where they were only going to sell it for a temporary amount of time, at which point it would be returned to the vault or something like that. And I can't remember how that played out. I've got to imagine now that if I went on Amazon trying to buy all the Harry Potter movies on Blu-ray, I'd be able to. <laughs> and I've got to imagine that remains the case for this game. Like, games don't just stop being made after six months, usually, especially not if they're selling. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. It almost it's a feels... a video game. Like, is there going to be digital versions of this? How do you make that scarce? What I, I suppose the scarcity is in if you don't get it in this time frame, then you might miss out. Like I said, but <clears throat> in, I don't want to mention the name. Excuse me, <coughs> oh, <clears throat> my throat's coming crazy. In some weird way, it feels a little bit like the marketing that some. And this is not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting it is like this. But there are some companies that do this slightly slimy marketing where they effectively say, "This thing is on sale. Um, get it like while you can get it because it's not going to be on sale forever." But when that sale ends, it goes back on sale immediately. And so you always get money off. But it's like a weird kind of marketing ploy, which yeah. I hope Nintendo wouldn't do. I mean, I don't think they need to do it at this point. Dude, yeah, exactly. You don't need to put three games of that caliber in one package and then say, you've only got until March to buy it. Like, that's craziness. I hope there's going to be some asterisks there that explains what's really going on. But I suppose until we know more about that, all we can really do is focus on the fact that it's really fucking cool they're bringing those three games together and putting them on the Switch. And like you said, I'm in the exact same position with my Switch as a console, is gathering dust at the moment. <laughs> I need these games, man. And yeah. they're, they're coming soon. Like, that's wicked. I love a little surprise announcement like that. Uh, so that was um, Super Mario 3D All-Star. So what else are we, uh, are we well, looking forward to? I thought the thing we could bring up next is something that's a little bit different. But as soon as I saw this, Jonesy, all I could think about was you. And I don't mean that in kind of a sexy kind of um, imagining you naked kind of way although i do do that sometimes no offense i would be naked uh, playing this game probably because i wouldn't be bothered to put you know clothes what, on. Prob probably <laughs> you're too excited you got up in the morning you're like i'm not getting dressed i'm going straight to see the parcels at the front door 
Um, we're talking about a little product called Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, which, again, I'll just use Nintendo's words here so we don't accidentally say the wrong thing. Apparently, it brings the fun of the Mario Kart series into the real world by using Nintendo Switch system to race against opponents using a physical kart. Essentially, this is an RC kart, a real-life physical RC kart that has some kind of proprietary software on the Nintendo Switch side that comes with it in the form of a Mario Kart game that uses augmented reality, presumably through cameras that are placed on the carts themselves, to create a track in your living room. Um, it sounds kind of fascinating. I guess the idea is that what you would see is if you walked in, if I walked into your front room, Josie, and you and the boys were playing with this, what I would see is three children, let's be honest, <laughs> including you in that, um, sitting around on sofas, looking at their Nintendo Switches while RC cars, real RC cars, drove around the living room floor. But on your screens, what you would see is essentially a Mario Kart like heads-up display that took a live feed of your living room and used AR to kind of like create corners and turns and road signs and added boosts and lots of other power-ups you'd expect to see from a Mario Kart game. Does that sound like what we're talking about here? It sounds exactly like it, and it sounds friggin' awesome. Um, I, having looked at sort of what they're, what they're putting forward and, and what you've described, so yeah, I mean, it, it sounds to me like something I have imagined playing, right? Because anyone yeah. out there who's who likes the idea of, um, say, something like um, Scalextrix or that kind of, uh, you can still buy, but it's kind of old tech now and you don't really want to be setting all that up in your living room. Um, I bought something which uh, was a, a relatively short-lived product uh, called Anki Overdrive, which is similar to actually to what I suppose Mario Kart's trying to do. And it had these cardboard mag magnetic tracks that you put little cars on that have cameras and they scan a track, but you can implement some gaming mechanics whereby you can shoot the car in front of you and stuff. And you can see the cars racing around in your living room, um, as you were saying, Jamie, but you use yep. a smartphone or something to control it. And this is like the next stage on from that. This is using AR to put Mario Kart in your living room um but you don't need a track the, your floor becomes the track which is which is yep. pretty cool it also takes something like which i've always liked the idea of rc cars but in reality like when i was a kid i was never going to be bothered to go and race them places and take them places and i think this is kind of bringing together a whole bunch of things which sound very cool it's also obviously a great way to say hey you need multiple um switch systems in order to run this because you need one per <laughs> i hadn't thought, I hadn't thought about that but that's very true so it's another way to say hey get together with your friends you've already got switches and if you're the odd one out who doesn't have one and you like a bit of mario kart maybe pick yourself up a, a nintendo switch so you can play along yeah. i think it sounds like a really cool little periphery uh, peripheral it, it uh, is i don't think it's necessarily going to be huge um there would be probably a specific maybe market you know younger players etc people like me with kids um that, that might have a look into it but i think it sounds really wicked and i like the idea of i just like the idea of having mario kart on my floor in my front room right and you're right jamie i'll be sitting with the boys and we'll all be in our pants <laughs> we won't even have got dressed that day 100 well, i mean why would you if you're that excited <laughs> and the play. more i read about this thing the more cool stuff they're doing i guess some of this stuff was maybe a little bit obvious but you're going to create custom course layouts in your home where according to Nintendo, the only limit is your imagination. One thing that sounds really neat is the physical cart, the cart that's dashing around your living room floor, responds to things that are happening in games, in game, excuse me, whether that's boosts or stopping when it's getting hit by an item. So I love the idea that you're on your Switch, throw a red shell at the person in front of you, and the actual physical car stops. So that. I, I, 
I don't know. That just sounds so cool. So that that is something that that's why it reminded me kind of um, like I said, if, if no one's heard of Anki Overdrive, like look it up. Um, but that has that in that as well. So you have you shoot a car and the car and having watched it do it. So little little cars driving around and one car shoots another and that car spins out or stops or whatever. It's actually really cool to have that level of gamification and like a physical real world thing so i love that they're doing this and they're bringing the 100%. mario flavor to it and stuff yeah um, and uh, for anyone that doesn't have children or siblings or whatever even friends like most of us nowadays apparently you can race against koopalings in grand prix mode oh nice so there is some some semblance of single player that one jonesy october 16th let me know what you think of this price point 99.99 in us dollars so is, uh, does it say what you actually get with that? Like how many carts you get and things? It's available in a Mario set or a Luigi set. So from what I gather, you right. probably get the software and one either Mario or Luigi cart for ninety nine ninety nine. See, uh, like a it's pricier than Ring Fit was, but yeah. I guess RC cars slightly more complicated than than rings. <laughs> I don't know. That's you see that that to me. It's quite, I mean, games themselves, Mario games are pretty expensive. So then you're actually looking, what, like 40, 40 quid, 30 quid or something for the actual RC car. If you can, if they can do packs where you get multiple cars, um, I suppose, well, I suppose that, you, that wouldn't make any difference, though, would it? Because then you still need multiple switch systems. So the idea they're having is that you go away and you get, and that could, that could be expensive, man. If I've got to buy two more switches, right. I've got to buy three of these packs. I'm talking like, Jeez, that like a thousand pounds just to no. You're, you're right. I think that's the way they get you. Is that it's the kind of pricing that I think looks reasonable enough on paper, but it's when you price up. Okay, like some people out there with big families might be like, I've got four kids who are all going to want this. I've got one switch when they're going to do it at once, and all of a sudden, anyone imagining stuff at Christmas morning where you've got five kids all sitting around playing this game together, you're right. That does become a very expensive. A very expensive little uh, Christmas gift, but who knows? But hey, I mean that's that's like initial price, and they'll do something clever with pricing and packs and, yep. and releases. You're, and and you're, plus, your little ones are going to have to learn the importance of sharing at some point if they haven't already. <laughs> so, what better way to teach them with uh, than with this game? Absolutely. Um, let's rattle through the rest of these because I think, in in my opinion, those are the two big ones. But the rest of these things are kind of cool. The next thing they talked about was something called Game & Watch Super Mario Bros, which is a new collectible device that obviously harkens back to the original Game & Watch. And in fact, the design is itself is specifically desired, uh, designed excuse me, based on that 1980 release. Uh, it includes the original Super Mario's game and also Super Mario Bros Lost Levels and also a special version of Ball with a Mario makeover. I'm not super familiar with that, but these are all playable on the Game Watch device itself because it has a D-pad, it has buttons, it has an A and B. It also has, quote, 35 little touches to discover. It can t function as a clock. So it's kind of this weird throwback device that is a bit of a games console, but also just a watch at the same time. And it feels like it's just kind of meant to be a collector's item to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think it even said it's um, a limited run and it will be a limited availability as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not saying it's going to be for everyone, but hey, it's, it's a cool little um, nostalgia piece, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Uh, something that is slightly less of a nostalgia piece and actually something people have been asking for for a hell of a long time and is now officially confirmed, and that is a enhanced version of Super Mario 3D World, the game that originally came out on the Wii U all those years ago. That is now coming to the Nintendo Switch it's going to have co-op, it's going to have online and local co-op, I should say. Uh, they're also going to include an add-on called Bowser's Fury. I'm not super familiar with it. I presume that was part of the original Wii U release as well, 
like some DLC or something that got added after the fact. Uh, but that game is coming, as again, rumors have suggested. That's in February of next year, coming with a couple of Amiibos as well. Um, people are going to be excited about that. Apparently, that's a great game that not enough people played because it was sort of saddled with the Wii U. It looks, it actually looks really cool. Like the uh, some of the stuff I'd seen of it, um, the, the version they're releasing now, the, the enhanced version. Yeah, it looks really good. And I had a weird thing. I think we mentioned it even last week was that there were a lot of games that came to the Wii and the Wii U that I didn't really view as video games in the same kind of way as I do with most Nintendo systems purely because they seem to those systems were kind of odd to me and so I feel like I missed out on a whole lot of Mario content so the fact that they're yeah. bringing it to the Switch which is a great little system and I love playing um, but I feel like I need more content for yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really excited content you shall have Jonesy because we're still going believe it or not next up we have Super Mario Bros 35 which to cash in I guess on the I'm not going to say the words Battle Royale but obviously there's an element of that and also Tetris 99 about this, and that is Super Mario Bros. 35, which is a 35-player competitive online battle game where you're competing to be the last Mario standing. There was actually, I believe, a Flash game that did something very similar to this that kind of got a bit of um, press, a bit of attention about a year ago. Probably one of those projects that Nintendo shut down. They uh, they sent out the lawyers like dogs <laughs> and uh, and got everything wiped off the face of the internet but that is happening that is launching october 1st as a digital only game exclusive to nintendo switch online members which for anyone uh, that remembers that was also how tetris 99 worked and that game seemed like it did well it seemed like it found an audience so this could be cool also coming to nintendo switch online later today at the time of recording so it'll be out when you're listening to this is super mario all stars note that it doesn't have the word 3d in the title <laughs> which makes it confusing but also clear that this is just um, a collection of upgraded versions of Super Mario Bros, The Lost Levels, Mario Bros 2 and Mario Bros 3 with what they call enhanced 16-bit graphics, which I don't really know what they mean by that. How much cleaner can you get than a pixel? <laughs> but they're going to try. Nintendo going to do it. That's Nintendo Switch Online as well. That's today. This isn't an ad. Please don't hate us. We're just telling you the news or trying to. Um, but that was pretty much it, Jonesy, in terms of actual products. Everything else was like, there's Mario Jenga now, and Chris is going to buy a pair of Puma Mario shoes. He's going to he's gonna go the full Mario. Expect his Tash to come back with, you know, none, none of the rest of it. He'll have the little hat. It'll be like the, um, it'll be Chris cosplay. Chris Mario cosplay, I fully expect. I fully expect it too. But hey, going from um, like the old school 16-bit graphics, Jamie, I think we should talk yeah. about um, what what is happening in the future of graphics because um, NVIDIA have announced their 30 series graphics cards, which I know I should be excited about and I am excited about, but I don't really know what any of it means. So I'm going to just assume it's really cool. And we can, I guess we can talk about some numbers and, and hopefully our audience are smarter than I am and they'll know what a lot of this stuff is going to actually mean. I, f I feel so bad because there were a bunch of guys that were watching the kind of, the not quite a press conference, but you know what I mean, the, the reveal video they did um, live and were responding to it in our Discord and seeing some of the terms those guys were throwing out there they knew exactly what they were talking about. This is not the kind of announcement that I was hoping we would lose out on Chris for because he would know more than we would about it. But folks, bear with us because we'll, we'll, we'll try our best. Yeah, so um, so obviously I'm sure everybody by now knows that the 20 cards were the last series and we're now on to the 30 series cards. Um, they're RTX cards as well because of the ray tracing and that the NVIDIA, NVIDIA cards have sort of pushed from this and the last generation so they've unveiled mm -hmm. the new 30 series they've got the 3070 the 3080 and the 3090 they are based around an ampere architecture 
um, the last architecture they had was the Turing. Uh, any fans of electronics out there <laughs> will see see what they're doing with their naming. Um, <laughs> any fans of electronics in the house? You're like a comedian. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the DMV. <laughs> but um, one, of, one of the things they did say, which I found kind of surprising and I, I i this is one thing i don't understand i definitely need to drill down into is they've said that these cards um offer with the ampere architecture offer double the power and double the efficiency from the turing card um, architecture which is uh, a hell of a thing like those 20 series cards it didn't feel like they came out very long ago jamie we managed to go and actually watch um that live release um thanks to right. Nvidia, and it was yeah and it was wicked like i we talk about you know we're not the most um uh, we don't know what all this, all the the terms mean exactly, but we're still PC gamers. We still built our own rigs and stuff, and we we get very excited about good graphics. And to see um, how things like um, ray tracing affects games, and you can have uh, light occlusion and bounces and, and reflections. I mean, it, is t- it takes gaming to the next level. So to come out with cards now that are effectively twice as powerful and very very reasonable when it comes to the price point um, that we'll get onto is actually um, incredibly exciting and. And I am very grateful, as you said, Jane, before this, that I didn't go and um, go and buy a new 2080, which I was considered doing right. because I would have felt because pretty dumb. You literally just upgraded your CPU and a few other bits and pieces, right? I so did, you must yes. have been on those websites hovering over the add to cart button, looking at like a 2080 Super or a TI or something. Do you know, the, 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 the 2080 Super, I was looking at that going, oh, it's a bit pricey. Should I do it? And I'm glad yep. I didn't. Um, so let's talk specifically, let's go with the 3080 because that's the nice sort of middle of the road um, top end for consumers, I guess. The RTX 3080 is priced in UK is £650, but is um, twice as fast as an RTX 2080 Ti which is $1,200. So you're effectively yeah. getting, I suppose, for two-thirds of the price, um, I hope my conversion isn't too off there, you're getting a card which is twice as fast um, as sort of the top card on the market at the moment, which is, that is incredible to me. And sounds, when you think about all these amazing games that are coming out, Jamie, in the next few months and sort of early next year, is definitely something I'm glad we're seeing. Oh, 100%. And that's the thing, we can't go into the microscopic detail that some people would be able to about these cards and the architecture and the way they're built up but what we can do quite easily is talk about these cards in layman's terms and for me when someone starts talking about it in terms of half the price twice the power that's when i'm like fuck man you just it makes you want to get one it makes you think does you it makes you think you'd be crazy not to like you'd be wasting money not getting one um i think they're smart to kind of put it in those terms and smarter still i don't know how they managed to uh get this pricing done i don't know how things become so much better and so much less expensive i just kind of assumed that everything would be more or less on par with what happened to the 20 series but certainly this is very enticing and like you said not just were they announcing certain games that had lots of sort of rtx capabilities in the show itself but even immediately afterwards they did the really smart move which is they released a 30 series specific cyberpunk 2077 trailer oh and for people like you and me Right, exactly. Because we're it's a, at the end of the day, we're about the games, right? Exactly. We're not fold, yeah. we're not folding. Well, we do edit. With some of that shit is also important. <laughs> um, but nothing gets you more excited about a graphics card. Nothing makes a graphics card easier to sell than saying, "Look at this game and look at what you can do with this game on it." Now, I'm sure we'll be fine with our current graphics cards, but it does make you think, "Fucking hell, you know, Cyberpunk and a new graphics card at the same time? Why not?" Um, it's like a launch title. Do you know what? It actually. 
gave me a little bit of an issue because I have pre-ordered the collector's edition of Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which is the first time I've ever, I've ever pre-ordered a collector's edition. Uh, but I did it for PlayStation 4 because I was right. thinking, I can play this game on my PlayStation 5 with the upgrades on my 4K TV. Yeah. It's going to look great. Yeah. I'm going to have a whale of a time. But when you see that game running on a 30 series card um, with all of, you know, with everything turned on and it looks that incredible, I genuinely was um, considering not going through with my pre-order and maybe going for a PC version of this game. Um, Yeah. But hey, we'll we'll have to see. I think... It's, it, well, let me. I just, I'll just say so it's, as yeah, stats sorry. that we can all appreciate. So the thirty eighty is um, being touted as a four K uh, at sixty frames a second, even with ray tracing on for a majority of games. Which I mean, that is music to a gamer's ears, right? Right. I mean, that's all the that's all the buzzwords in one, right? <laughs> exactly. While I think we're going to have a lot of YouTube videos, Digital Foundry especially, that explore the capabilities of the Series X and the PlayStation Five this fall as those consoles get released and we see the realities of what their attempts to integrate some kind of ray tracing look like and whether or not they can hit native 4k it's going to be interesting to see nvidia and the pc master race kind of waltz into the room being like oh yeah that shit's easy for us now we've got that in our back pocket we're at the races um yeah again when you frame it as you just did in the case of cross-platform games that you could just as easily pick up on pc as you could on a playstation or an xbox it becomes a really tricky one. I still love sitting in... There's an armchair over there that you guys can't (laughs) see, but but I love sitting in it. And there's a big TV right there that you guys can't see. I love playing games on it. And I know some smart Steph is going to be in the comments being like, oh, you can plug your HDMI into the TV. I don't want to do that. I like having the the separation. I like playing the games on my PlayStation. But if Digital Foundry do a fucking teardown of Cyberpunk 2077 on the PlayStation 4 Pro which is probably what I have when that game comes out still. And it's like, yeah, this runs at uh, a locked 1080p. Oh, sorry, this runs at 1080p, and the frame rate is mostly 30, but occasionally dips into the high 20s. It, let's, let's say it's comparable to The Witcher 3. Then all of a sudden I sat there and they be like, I have a 2080 Super. Am I an idiot? <laughs> and Ste- and that, that's when, again, Steph, the little angel, will pop up on my shoulder and be like, yes, you fucking are. <laughs> It does. Know. It starts to get. It starts to get really um, dicey as to whether or not you're going to go console, whether you're going to go PC, how you're going to yeah. play these games. Yeah. And for for people out there thinking that um, 650 quid is still a little pricey, that is an that would absolutely be fair because that is not um, an insignificant amount of money. You know, it's still more than uh, a PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X would be at launch anyway. They've also announced that the 3070 um, card, which is better than the current 2080 Ti. Uh, they've said it's better than a 2080 Ti, will only be £470. So, And that comes, um, that'll be released um, on the 17th of September, so not even that long, which is, yeah, absolutely crazy pricing. I should, I should at yeah. this point mention that the RTX 3090 is £1,400, so it's um, right. a lot more. Yeah, I, I, I've seen some people on our Discord say, fuck it, they're going to get a 3090. Um, I actually don't know the specifics of how much more powerful a 3090 is than a 3080 to know whether it's worth that significant jump in price. But there are always going to be some people, even at consumer level, that want to completely future-proof themselves and put all the money in up front and and last forever. And I get that. I'm in a tricky situation because I only got my uh, graphics card in February. And I can't regret it because seven months is enough time to spend with a graphics card to think, eh, 
I got I, I needed it I needed it for the work I've done since then. Yeah. I needed it. But at the same time it does make you think, eh, you know, this Christmas maybe, six hundred and fifty quid, thirty eighty, quick job, plug it in, play it out. I've already spoken to some of the smart dudes in our Discord and they've confirmed that my CPU and my motherboard and stuff like that are all fine with the thirty eighty, so I wouldn't need to buy anything else. It's tempting, dude. It is it is tempting, absolutely. It's tempting. Well, it'd be interesting to see where they go with the um, the 20 series cards now, because obviously if, if they put down the price of all the 20 series cards as well, then they become a lot better prospect. Could be that, for example, the um, some of the higher tier 20 cards work better for certain, you know, desktop um, work-based applications as opposed to gaming. But hey, we'll, um, we'll have to uh, go and see what people do as a little breakdowns of those cards when they actually come out. Um, and then maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch on it again. Um, maybe we will. But I'm sure, yeah. When we, maybe when we get Chris back as well, we can get a bit of a PC talk. Jonesy, by the way, yes. I don't mean to sidetrack us. It sounded like you were just about to move on to the next thing. Can I quickly do do a quick callback before we before we push on? Of course. I'm looking at my phone because uh, I, I don't mean to sound distracted, but there's a bunch of annoying shit going on at the same time in my <laughs> life, and I'm trying to remain as professional as possible. But I did just notice that uh, J- Sir Jason Schreier Esquire of uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Uh, of Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yep. Bloomberg, Bloomberg. Has, also, has also noticed what we were getting confused about, which is Nintendo quoting 3D Mario All-Stars as a limited release. He's confirmed on Twitter, I believe, that he is in the process of trying to find out exactly what that means. But someone in his responses has found a little note that Nintendo have put on the bottom of one of their kind of like product placing things that does relate to the digital version as well. Right. And the note says, uh, please note, 3D, Super Mario 3D All-Stars can only be purchased until the 31st of March 2021. Owners can still play its entire content after the state has passed and can also re-download it from the Nintendo eShop if the software has been archived. So that suggests oh, wow. that it will be for sale digitally, which again suggests there's not going to be a huge amount of exclusivity around it in those terms, but that the product might be archived on that date so they've had to put out a statement saying you will be able to re-download it if you bought it. But that, I mean, that still suggests that you will not be able to buy it after that point if you haven't. Um, already That's crazy. Bought it there's 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 no precedent for any game ever doing that, right? I do you know. I I think you nailed it with the um, the Harry Potter analogy. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they have this initial run. It's it's Mario's 35th anniversary. They say here's all this cool stuff. Get it. Get your hands on it while you can. And then there's a three month. Uh, two month one month period where you can't get hold of it and then hey they go got it. back by popular demand and then they release everything again would this be scummy or would this be exciting super mario 3d all-stars comes out end of mid to end of september yeah li- quote unquote limited release but anyone who can gets it well anyone who can want it gets it there's not a limited amount of copies or anything weird like that goes off store shelves and off the e-shop on march 31st comes back in the summer for sale again, but this time they've added Super Mario Galaxy 2 to it. Uh, yeah, that would be absolute filth. And, that, and that's the version that's for sale indefinitely. That would be filth, because if you couldn't buy Super Mario Galaxy 2 as an addition to your existing pack, because then, well, of course, it would do the kind of thing that we talk about um, sort of bad um, bad business sort of, I don't know what you call it, bad business practices, practices with gaming yeah. companies when you then say, well, so I've got to buy this game again just so I can get Super Mario Galaxy 2 unless it's a standalone. Like, No, I, I, I don't think they'd do that, man. That would be a very strange yeah. thing. I, I, I agree. I'm if, just if trying if to think of really outside the box. If, they, yeah. if, it was, if it was a patch and they added it in, then I'd say, yeah, that's fine. 
Um, and maybe that, may, do you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe one of the reasons they've done it is because they're not in a position to release for the 30th anniversary, 35th anniversary as they wanted to be. And so they're doing an initial run. They're going to fix something and then they're going to come back and they wouldn't have been able to be ready until after the the anniversary. And then I'd say, hey, that's, you know, needs must and they've, it's fine. As long as they patched it in and they <sighs> fixed it for everyone who had bought it already. Yeah. It's know. six it's, months. It's, it's like you've got six months to choose to buy this. Yeah, I know, I know. It just seems weird. And I guess Nintendo are the kings of doing shit, cool shit with an asterisk. It just <laughs> right. feels like that's, an, that's such a confusing and odd asterisk. Anyway, let's push on to the next thing we're going to talk about. And it's actually... Uh, a cheeky little uh, callback to a game we've already discussed, but a specific element of it, Jonesy, that has been making waves in the news this week, and that's Marvel's Avengers, but specifically a conversation that you and I had in this past week, a little disagreement, maybe, in fact, Ooh. that we thought we'd relive for the folks at home. I feel and a bet is regarding. On, Say that again, you cut out on Discord. I said I feel a bet coming on, and I said, I'm only joking. <laughs> no, we're not doing any more bets. We're not doing any more bets. Uh, but we're specifically talking about uh, Marvel's Avengers approach to Battle Pass, which I guess to give people kind of an overview, if that, if you don't mind, Jonesy, uh, the Battle Passes in this game are called Hero Challenge Cards, and they exist on a per-character basis. So imagine a traditional Battle Pass, every single character has their own one. A few other little caveats, a few other points we need to mention before we kind of get into, for want of a better way of putting it, the morality of this decision... They cost 1,000 in-game credits, which is the equivalent of around $10 if you needed to buy the premium currency because you didn't have any. That's, again, assuming that you're starting from zero. But here's the thing. that This is where it starts to get dicey. Completing the card, i.e. working your way through the entirety of the battle pass, will also earn you 1,000 credits. So if you complete any battle pass that you buy, you theoretically get that currency back. There's also the caveat that all the launch characters, of which there are six, have their battle passes unlocked from the word go. So you can get 6,000 credits up front if you complete the entirety of their battle passes. Um, obviously, completing the battle passes themselves earns you gear, resources, cosmetics, and credits. Uh, and the last thing we'll note as a kind of important differentiating factor from a battle pass in Avengers to, say, a battle pass in Apex or Warzone or anything else is that... These aren't seasonal. These aren't timed. These are indefinite battle passes that you can go back to at any time and complete at any time. So in theory, that currency is always there to be accrued. And I guess that's kind of the heart of the discussion that you and me got into, right? Is this idea of with six characters' battle passes unlocked from the very beginning, you can kind of create a rolling cycle of earning back premium currency, using it to buy the battle passes for the new characters and never being out of pocket. And whether that makes it a more reasonable system despite the fact that there is technically more stuff being made for sale yeah it is a bit of a weird one and I, and I can see why people have have been you know a bit lukewarm on it i battle passes in general i find a quite odd concepts because if they completely um replaced microtransactions and, and in-game currency and etc etc then it would make a little bit more sense to me but i always have a bit of a thing that you can um it's odd that you can buy things from a marketplace but you can also get a battle pass which covers a whole load of stuff that you're going to get but you've got to unlock it through leveling because it's like well i've paid for it so why do i have to list the option to level with it but i actually when i think about what they're doing here and how i'd compare that to games like warzone games like apex um even games like um 
uh, what's it called, Fall Guys or something like that. Like all these games have included battle passes in sort of different ways, <clears throat> and this this is very similar. It seems to um, to something like Warzone, where you have you will you'll get a character for free so when they release a character like spider-man um well actually it's a really bad example because he's playstation exclusive let's go with hawkeye who's announced to be the first additional character right because as you said you get the six initial characters you get their battle passes um included so let's say when hawkeye releases you will get access to hawkeye for free as an additional character in marvel's avengers um he has 40 tiers of unlockable uh, content. You will be able to earn uh, free upgrades with Hawkeye without ever spending any money, right? But it's only the premium upgrades that you have to actually spend the currency for in order to right. unlock Hawkeye's battle pass. Yeah. I can see why if you're someone who's going to intend to get every, um, to play every character as they're released, which is absolutely some something people might do, then this game could end up being very expensive if you want to get all of the skins and the, the cosmetics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you, I, I can only imagine that the reason they've done it like this is because what they think will happen is once those six characters have been released with the initial launch, and then once they start drip feeding you these other additional characters. They're assuming that people are going to sort of cotton on or, uh, or to grab on hold of one character that they like from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, buy the Battle Pass, play that character, and then maybe move on in time when another character they like the sound of comes out. I don't think the intention is for everyone to buy every Battle Pass. Um, I kind of think, I think you said it, Jamie, and I, I think the fact that you can earn back the currency if you complete the Battle Pass is almost irrelevant because not many people are going to do that. 40 tiers is a lot to get through even if you've got it as um even if it's completely um uh not time dependent it's still a hell of a thing to play a game right for that and it also might character. force you to engage or interact with characters that you straight up don't like or to try and earn the group, currency yeah. or yeah if you or if you play in a group and certain people are super committed to a character and so you can never play as that character because players can't be the same person in any one game so it could be very hard to level up certain characters that's another weird caveat yeah. So that's part of the reason why I agree with you. I think very few people are going to sit there and come away with 6,000 credits from this first line of characters. I think a lot of people will come away with at least 1,000, but yeah. But I think what, what they have done, which I think is interesting, and I have because I have no problem with this as a, as a system, what I think is interesting is as they release these characters uh, over the, however long they're going to support this game for, you're going to get the character for free and you are going to get some free up, um, battle pass upgrades along the way. The fact that you can sit at home, play Marvel, put it down for a few months, hear about the fact they're releasing a new character, know that you have that free, you can hop on, you can play as them. I like that. Like, I don't like it when um, games effectively uh, gate characters off through uh, money. Like, so games like Apex, I get why they did it, and Apex is a free-to-play game, so it makes sense. But the fact that there are characters you would never get to play on that game unless you put money into it in the first place. Um, that, no, that, enough- cu- that, current, that currency is ownable, ownable as well. Ex- yeah, but exactly. So you can't, uh, you don't get them for free though. You've got to play the game yep. to earn it. Whereas this is going to say to you, hey, this guy is. You haven't pay- played the game for months. You haven't done any battle pass stuff, but you get to play this character that you love from the Marvel universe. Yeah. Like Apex, Le- Apex Legends, also a free game. <clears throat> I will know. Yeah, I said I said it's a free game, so oh, it's a bit, sorry. It's a yeah, bit yeah. different. But but it kind of 
But that, that thing about where you have to play the game to unlock a character that you don't even know you're going to like. I quite like the idea that you can hop in, play a character for free and go, nah, this isn't for me. Or you can say, oh, yeah. no, I, I do like this character. I never <clears throat> would have thought I would put any money into it, but now I'm going to. And the fact that I think you are only going to probably sink, if you even if you're into this game and you like the sound of it, you're probably never going to buy more than maybe a handful of battle passes for the most. Some people will buy all of them. There absolutely will be people that just right. sink all the money in. I'm, see, I'm and, fine with it. I, battle passes are weird, like I said. And, I'm kind of fine. Yeah, with it. I think that's where the last point you made there is kind of where our paths diverge, but also right. kind of uh, agree with each other a little bit, which is that as with all microtransactions and battle passes and premium this, that, and the other, and currencies and so on and so forth, you can sweep any of them under the rug by reminding anyone that they don't have to buy them and that they probably won't. But sometimes that's kind of not the point. Right. And for me, there's an element of what people are saying about Marvel's Avengers. There's some part of me that doesn't care. There's some part of me that thinks it's overblown. There's some part of me that th- thinks this is an extension of people looking for shit to complain about because it's 2020, and that's what we do on the internet. But there is another part of me that looks like, looks at this game, looks at what it represents, look at the si- looks at the size of it, looks at the property involved, looks at the target audience, looks at the amount they're doing and the amount of deals they've already cut and all that, this, that, and the other, and thinks, like, guys, was this necessary? Did right. we have to do this? Um, can, I, can I do a really scummy thing, Jonesy? Yeah, sure. Can I, can I, can I read the folks uh, the message I sent you just because it sums up my thoughts better than I can on the fly? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Or at least part of it. I'll paraphrase. I, uh, this is what I sent to Jonesy in a message on Saturday. I said, It becomes problematic when, even prior to release, as many as 15 heroes have been found via data mining. That's $150 worth of battle passes mapped out from day one, with only $70 to $80 of that salvageable if you put a huge amount of time into progressing with each of the six launch characters and then each subsequent character that you buy using that initial accrued currency. That, in turn, is assuming you sit in all that premium currency and don't spend any of it in a shop that is constantly rotating in new skins in a game that can, even digitally, cost as much as $74.99 in pounds, even more in dollars, has already signed deals with Virgin, Verizon, 5Gum, and PlayStation themselves for exclusive content, is part of the, is part of the biggest media family that often targets kids, has a tie-in comic series, two tie-in books, its own set of Funko Pops on the way, amongst many others and when you get into that territory and i know that's kind of we're getting removed from the game part of things here but and when i say those comic books and those books and the funko books i don't mean avengers i mean this fucking video game does this game really need to to market kids like my brother 150 dollars worth See that, that battle pass shit. That's what I my see. brother. Because I agree, my brother's going to sit there. He's going to buy this game. He's going to play it in a little bit here and there after school because he can't put eight hours a day into a game like us fucking weirdo adults can. Because <laughs> weirdly enough, nowadays kids have less time for gaming than we do. Figure that shit out. He's going to sit there doing little bits of bits and pieces. He's not really going to understand premium currency. Uh, that much at least he probably doesn't understand battle passes either but he's going to unlock spider-man because he unlocks spider-man he's going to have fun with spider-man because as you said fair enough they're giving him it for free and then he's going to say how do i get that cool looking skin yeah for sure and the answer is get your parents credit card and do it 15 times over based on the characters that we found in just data mining the beta See, I, I agree with you on everything you said. I think that the part I don't agree with, and and this is the part that I found a little bit odd when, because I, I was surprised at how um, anti this and how annoyed people seem to be of it. Your brother will do that. And I'm sure that my kids in the future will do exactly that, that sort of thing with games that do this kind of thing. 
but I don't think there's any I don't think there's any intent for people to spend 150 quid to get all those battle passes. I, I genuinely think the intent is Spider-Man comes out, everyone wants Spider-Man, <clears throat> everyone wants Spider-Man who's playing on the PlayStation, everyone sinks 10 quid in. They might have already put 10 quid into one previous character. I don't think every time a character comes out, a kid goes, now I want to be this character, now I want this battle pass, because they're going to be unlocking stuff anyway. They Slowly, I mean, we played a bit on the beta and the rate at which you unlock stuff in that battle pass is friggin' slow as well, like as battle I think- passes often do. Um, but when it comes down to like, there's no barrier to playing the characters there's no barrier to a lot of it there's no barrier there's no like pay to play with any of this it is purely cosmetics yep um so i i don't know i think it's a little bit like i, I said, just think i think you get into flaky territory when you use the terminology you just did where you don't think on their part that there's any intent you're saying they're putting all this stuff out for sale because they don't believe that anyone will actually buy all of it. And I just don't think that's true. No, no. I, I think the reason they do it and they put a battle pass on every character. I think they do it. But I think that everything that's for sale is for sale because they know someone will buy it. Yes, different people. So I think, for example, they different, might different they people, might say they might say that they have a base of let's say they manage to sell a million copies of this game. Of that base, they might sell. Um, uh, 10% of the battle passes are bought for Spider-Man, 10% are bought for Hawkeye, 10% are bought for Miss Marvel, I, or uh, Captain yep. Marvel. I don't think they're thinking 90% of the base, of the install base, are going to spend 150 quid. I think they're thinking, <laughs> yeah. we need to, we want to get some money back from the this group. We want to get some money back Wait, from but, this but group. But again, which, why, are we talking, why are we talking in loose, like, kind of okay, blasé terms about, quote-unquote, getting money back? Because it's a, at the Square end of the day, right, when we're a, talking about Square Enix, we're talking about Square Enix's $60 Avengers game. Because We're talking about <laughs> a full-price AAA game based on the most recognisable, worldwide, renowned media property in the entire planet why are we talking about them getting money back because the way Who's, that i think why that, are we being to, all pro to, business all of a sudden i think in, in order to think of when it's you talk about disney it's disney but when you think of games as a service you think about the whole point is right that they are constantly serving that game they're constantly yes. making improvements they're constantly releasing new content they have a team who is constantly working on that so if they can't if they then say well look this is a viable product if we sell it at a 60 dollar price point um, which yeah. is not we we know that that's not what games should be priced at these days. One of the things that fair enough. One of the things that people often don't understand about video games is, and sure, someone brought this up in a video I was watching the other day about a completely unrelated market, um, and they used video games as an example because video games are not the price they should be. They're underpriced, and the reason they're underpriced is because they make a lot of money in other ways, like mic- um, microtransactions, selling skins, etc. It's the only reason you can get a thirty-hour game for sixty dollars, yeah. right? That shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. Um, so what they do nowadays is they try and get money in different ways and when i say get money back what i mean is their expend uh, expected expenditure on releasing one unit of that game for 60 dollars and then making all that additional content for that game they probably need to make back um like 70 80 dollars on average per unit to make the game profit um profitable like a success so in order in order for them to make their money back they can't just sell the game for 60 dollars they're not going to make enough money can i can i can i offer an earth shattering alternate outlook (laughs) sure if you're selling a a product for 60 dollars but you need to recoup 70 80 dollars per consumer to uh, make profit on that product on average on average yeah on average you spent too much money making the product. 
But see, but I would say that's not true if they know, if the revenue streams that I'm they've the, got Jonesy, are, if, you, if you if you if you came to me and said, um, but you see, I'm, I'm, I. I I think you'll. Be, I, I if think you you're came mis- to me and said, "I've got a product that costs ten dollars, but actually I need to make twenty to thirty dollars per head to make my money back." My answer, answer to you would be, "You spent too much money." But I see. I think you'll be. If you're, you're, a- you're still saying it's a, it's a. You're saying it's a ten dollar product. I'm saying the gate. The they're it's not, worse. It's a sixty dollar product. But it's, it's not going to sell. It's actually a hundred. What from what they're saying is, it's a one hundred dollar product that that they can make a hundred dollars on it, but they make no, sixty dollars through base install. I don't like that. I don't like. But that. it's true. It's the like truth. That. It's the no, truth of the situation. If you, if you can't make a hundred dollar product, sell it for sixty, and then exp- and then put it and then, uh, make it. You, you, that's that's a poor budget management. No, so so what I'm saying is what I'm saying is it's a it's a a product that they that they could sell for a hundred dollars and you never ever spent anything else there's no marketplace there's no battle pass everything is included into the game and it costs you a hundred dollars which means that it costs them seventy dollars to make and you and they get thirty dollars profit per sale but instead of using that because they know that that won't be something anyone would go for they sell the base game for 60 they sell all this additional stuff for whatever and they end up making profit on yeah i i think i think i think think, we said honestly don't want this is up there this is a harsh word to use, but I think that is a naive way to look at games as a service. Games as a service, that business model does not exist for companies to because they want to recoup their budgets. That exists because it makes company millions and millions of dollars in pure profit. But there's but there's a line, right? There's a there's a line between breaking even. Um, there's a line between making money and there's a line between making tens of millions of dollars in profit. Like, and we and we don't know where that line is at the moment with this game. I tell you, I tell you what we do know. For the first 95, 96, 97% of the industry, every other game that every game that ever made a profit ever did so by selling copies on store shelves. No, but that's not that's just not true this in this day and age. Look at Call of Duty with Warzone. That's why I said the fir- at- no, no, but that's why I said the first 95% of the history, the first 95% oh, of the history of but the they game never, industry. But they didn't have the, I don't, they didn't I have don't this option, they- did they? The option for like DLC used to be and ex- used to have to go out and buy a physical disc or something to expand an ability of a game. No, like, like, that was never a D- thing. D- DLC has been downloadable for over a decade now. No, I'm but talking Battle- before that. I'm talking before like when I started playing games, you couldn't download anything. You had to go and physically buy add-ons. And now, then yeah. they went to oh, you can now buy it as a DLC. Then they moved on. I don't and- know. I, I feel like I feel like I get why you want to defend the Avengers, but we've now gone into this weird territory where I don't even like- want to defend the Avengers. I just I just want to say like. People think this is different. They seem to be suggesting this is different I, I from kind of Warzone. Think it, I think it is a little from bit Apex. different. I like, think it is a little bit different. Well, so, okay, here's why is Apex free? Apex is free because they know that they don't need any money um, as an upfront base cost, whereas yeah. Marvel, and but with, with Apex, there is no single player campaign. So similar, like we've talked about um, uh, Star Citizen. I'll, I won't bring that up now, but the way, like their pricing model. But Apex effectively has nothing in regards to multiplayer content, story stuff. It has no... Um, campaign it has nothing none of that element which you could argue that games that do have that have a, an initial higher cost they have a map and they have uh, game mechanics and beyond that everything else is brought to bear by the players they then sell right. um battle passes and you get the cosmetics and stuff and that is their entire model this is doing something different this is more destiny um but then destiny makes a whole lot of money off of um microtransactions etc and i can see why people hate microtransactions because i don't like them but when you have a game which you can play and never touch them, but you make it an optional extra, yeah, I then start to say, okay, this is a company or this is a game which is saying, 
we want to keep making money, but we know that we won't be able to sell it if we raise the price. Therefore, we'll sell it to these people for what it is. And then we'll sell it to these people who want to put more money into it. And I, I kind of, I don't necessarily like it, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to say that businesses shouldn't have novel ways then, of trying to make money. Then, then here's, an, here's a question for you. I mean, this might be a little bit facetious. I apologize if it <laughs> no, is, go for but it. I'll ask it anyway. How come the last time someone made a game about a character that is actually identical to one of the characters that's going to be in this game, it was, prior to the paid DLC, a $60 product with no microtransactions, no battle pass, no games as a service element, that USA Today estimated made $198 million in its first three days on sale as a flat $60 product, referring to 2018 Spider-Man. Because it's, because it's a different... Why is that... Why is that an acceptable business model for uh, PlayStation in 2018, and yet Square Enix are allowed to create what you've described as a $100 game being sold for $60 that they're allowed to recoup more money for in 2020. What's changed? They got the same license. They had the same amount of time. They probably had similar budgets. I'd, I'd a say crystal, it's, it's a, a different... Nana- Sorry. Well, no, I, I'd, I'd just say it's a different product. It's a different. It's a different way to sell the game and to make money. It's a, I, I'm looking at two third-person action-adventure games. That, that that feature characters from the Mar- from, not, the, from the base uh, adapted from Marvel's comic books. But sorry, but not not the game is one a of them. Product. Dis- one of them decided to make a sixty dollar product. The other one decided to make a game filled with fifteen battle passes, uh, a, a premium currency, microtransactions, and a rotating store filled with cosmetics. Because what? Because they're different products. Like one is a, and when I say product, I don't mean the but, game. I don't what, mean they're different what, games. I mean one is a product where they've taken, they've made a start to finish engaging, awesome single player campaign where you yes, go in. Yes. And you play like that. One is a game where they've, I, I imagine, I haven't like I haven't played it, so I don't know. But I imagine is a less than um, uh, top end single player campaign tied to a multiplayer world, which is supposed to get you to go into that world and yeah. play with your friends and everything. The day Insomniac shipped that game, they could, if they wanted to, they could have stopped thinking about that game. There was there was no reason for them to like do anything beyond right. that. The product. Right. The product that Square Enix are trying to make is a, a long-term, multi-year investment on their from what they're doing, and they the reason that they can, I suppose, that they think they can do that is because they think they can get a constant revenue stream from Marvel's Avengers. I agree with you. Like these are why wouldn't they go the route that they went with Spider-Man? I don't know. Like I probably would have preferred it if they did, but I can't then say to we had this conversation about. Um, about Fall Guys, it's that's a different product. Like, there's no point sort saying why didn't they make the different product? It's like because they didn't. Yep, fair enough. Because they went the route that like Destiny, Division, um, all these games that are like long-term multiplayer, cosmetics-based loot, shoot, loot and shooter sort of games. There's so many of them out there now. I can't really say why have they done the same thing. And arguably, I'd say off the back of the DC fandom, I can see that um, some of those games are going in the similar sort of way as well. Like, are they going to be single-player Spider-Man-esque campaigns where the developer draws a line under them of their release? Like, I guarantee not. They are Maybe. multiplayer, skins, loots, blah, 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 blah. I get, I get, I guess... You're right in saying that they're different kinds of games. It's just for me, and maybe this is a stigma, maybe it's an unfair one, but I still see these types of games as publishers getting scared, doing what, in fact, what EA put out a press uh, statement uh, however many years ago when they cancelled Visceral Star Wars game, admitting to. EA had admitted this in writing, and I know EA have nothing to do with any games we're talking about, but it's still interesting, and I think it represents Square Enix as well. People are getting scared 
of big AAA single-player games that get sold once, paid for once, and never thought of again because they know that if they flop, that it's over. So yeah. on one hand, this is major publishers giving themselves a safety net, creating a product that people buy with the assumption that it's going to change and grow and develop over the time and that maybe they can recoup their money even if it fails out of the gates. We know that Anthem, for example, was a failure for EA and now they're going to try and relaunch it. We're going to get Anthem 2.0 at some point in the near future and then we'll see where they go from there. But I think for as much as I accept that, I, I still think that it is... It, uh, uh, to a certain extent, it's the coward's way out, especially when some of what I've seen so far is that the games as a service elements of Marvel's Avengers are the weakest parts of it. The multiplayer content is right. weaker than the single-player content. The cosmetics don't seem particularly inspired. We have disagreements over the strategy they're using regarding battle passes. When that stuff is weak, when that's the stuff that feels like it was stuck in at the last second because Square Enix were worried about releasing a single-player game, that's when the argument that these companies are allowed to make more money or should be allowed to make more money on the back end, fine. And like I've already swallowed the pill in the vast majority of microtransactions. I personally, I know it sounds dumb following a conversation like this, but I think both of us are in the ballpark that we don't get worked out about this stuff. Like no, we said earlier, really. if you don't care about it, don't buy it. And that's usually what we exercise. We do practice what we preach in that regard. But for as long as people are going to ask us questions about it, for as long as people are, like people were in, on my stream yesterday asking about this exact topic, I'm still going to say that there is a part of me that thinks it's kind of bullshit. No, and I can see why. And I'm, don't, I don't want anybody out there to, and, and you, Jamie, to think that I'm suggesting that I like the way they're doing this. And I think no, it's, and you, don't worry, you haven't come across that way. Okay, but it's, when I, I think it's, it's hard for me to, to sort of see gaming and business and stuff separately. And especially like we said, when um, you get into a weird world whereby there's a whole load of different ways to make money and video games doing a whole load of different ways. Unless I see like what I perceive to be specifically predatory practices in games then i kind of have to chalk it up to they've come up with their own novel way of doing it and i can imagine the conversations and how they decided for example do they really want to do a seasonal battle pass for a marvel's game when you can have unlocks in there that aren't linked to some characters and then in a year's time there's going to be characters which weren't on the battle pass and now they are but you can't get any unlocks for your existing i mean it gets really messy right and i can imagine could, that they bounced around do. a whole way it load could of, do. but I, I can see how it gets very messy and how they and how they've said but then but then here's a crazy thing if you're going to do a battle pass for each individual character why is it more expensive than warzone seasonal ones why is each individual character oh, pass the actual more price expensive? point yeah i've got yeah. i've got an idea like, why not say okay we're not going to do a seasonal battle pass we're going to do per character battle passes and they're going to be five dollars they're I, going to be three dollars i think that I, I think the battle pass is too expensive i think it would have been it would have made more sense to me for them to make them five like you said and then for me to be able to buy more of them to make them 10 seems seems yeah. very for anyone pricey. wondering I think we worked out that Warzone's was eight fifty uh, in pounds. I think it was. But see, what's and weird about Warzone, and is and this is this is me. This isn't like the the game. I actually think that the battle pass in Warzone are more irrelevant to me. Like I've put probably about I've probably bought two of them. I think, and I yeah. get through a couple of levels. They seem to be. I mean, I don't even get the stuff that I've that I've bought because I have to find the weapons in the game, or I have to equip them, and I have to unlock the guns in order to do it. And and I could unlock stuff in Battle Pass that I might never even see in the game, or get to use, or get to experience. But I feel like I've already paid for it, and then I don't play it for a, a month, and then I lose it, and I'm like, what? So in some sense, yeah, the idea that. So I can Sorry. kind of see. I can kind of see though why that's not. 
why maybe they didn't want to go that route. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, and it's too. They are too expensive. I, sure. I think that's why people have accepted battle passes, right? As you play a game like Warzone, you look through that battle pass. I think a lot of people look at it and say, I don't need any of that stuff. And the other nice thing about it is you keep playing the game, you keep leveling up that battle pass, earning your free tiers. The day you put money in is the day you earn back everything that you've right. already unlocked. Right. So it's I probably the way to do it, right? It's probably to play it, get really far in um, a day before it ends, right. buy like, it, get everything. Yeah, and uh, like see how naturally how far you got in the battle pass. And then at the end of the season, work out whether the investment makes sense. Work out actually saying okay i'm not gonna buy the battle pass because i only progressed 10 levels in the entire last two months yeah well, actually i'm gonna buy it because i fell back in love with this game and i completed it and i've got a bunch of shit to cash in on we'll yeah. see it's gonna be fascinating right it's gonna well, be fascinating th- you did hit on an interesting thing though because one of the problems you've got is with making this sort of game and trying to protect yourself and rather than committing to the single player campaign you know spider-man-esque game the problem you've really got is what you can't then rest on your laurels and make a bad game um or make a mediocre game and expect to make all the money that some of these other games have made because the reason they make money is because they're very good, very enjoyable games at the end of the day. Mm. Um, but yeah, I will say that one of the, the the things to blame as to why this even exists is because they they test it. Over time, it's been tested out and it works with us, the consumer, right? We put money into games in this fashion. We'd rather spend less money at the front and then put money in over time. Which And we've, we've proven to the games industry that we'll do that. And that's one of the reasons... That they they go for things like market you know marketplaces microtransactions yep. battle passes etc cetera, etc. Cetera. You're absolutely spot. But on. I hope every, it's a good game. Man. I, just, I hope it's good. Like at the moment, like I said, if it's a seven seven and a half, it'll be where I expect it. I'll play it. I'll probably put ten quid into it, maybe, and we'll I'm, see how I'm we gonna, go. I'm going to play more of that cam- campaign pretty much as soon as we're done here. I want to put a bit more time into it. I get you're going to start playing at midnight tonight. We sound like no jobs now. No we? way, man. I'm good. not playing okay, at midnight good. tonight. Good. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, I guess. I've got some work to do after this, actually, so I won't play that much. But I do want to play a little bit more because the last mission I did, first Iron Man mission for anyone else that's already also playing it, kind of a fun mission, not going to lie. Yeah, I watched anyway. you, but you did seem to enjoy it, yeah, so it's cool. Yeah, I did. Iron Man plays pretty cool in that game, as it turns out. <laughs> oh, okay, so should we t- we've got one more story to talk about, which is probably going to be a quite a quick one because it's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's a little controversial. I don't, we don't usually get yeah. too political, so I don't think we want to... But it's more about us, not us getting political. It's about um, a company getting political, um, which is the fact that Ubisoft, um, in a recent Tom Clancy Elite Squad trailer, um, decided to include some imagery which was pretty explicitly uh, linked to Black Lives Matter, which was the 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 fist, which is like a it's like a black fist with like lines on it, like it's almost like cut out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that in the trailer, so it was effectively talking about people um, protesting and riots breaking out uh, and looting happening, and the fact that the the protests it was you know the the squad or the elite squad are told. Um, are kind of being pushed along by this shadowy organization. Um, I suppose the idea is like a, an Illuminati type type group. But then they included the imagery of BLM, and it was a very strange thing for a big company like Ubisoft to do, who kind of always push this narrative of being uh, a very diverse team, and they don't like to be. Um, they like to kind of have crazy stuff. Like Watch Dogs is obviously yeah. a, a thing about people and and pe- and and. Uh, protest and, and fighting the system and that but this seems to be quite a strange thing for them to do specifically at this moment in time anyway yes i mean because that's the thing even if they hadn't used any specific imagery or any imagery that reminded anything anyone of anything else it is still a 
word this carefully, it's a controversial and slightly confusing time to make a game about an elite squad of fucking super cops. I don't know, like Sam Fisher and the Rainbow Six Siege people and all that stuff. It's, it's criminals it's kind of, as well, isn't it? It's like super cops and criminals yeah, together. Yeah, it's like this elite, elite mercenary group and then put a trailer that, regard, like, regardless of any of the imagery used, regardless of trying to refer back to any actual revolt or protest and stuff like that, making a trailer that takes a group of protests, frames them as criminals and people that have to be dealt with, when no matter what stance you take, obviously that's such a hot-button topic at the moment in the States with everything that's going on up there. And it's all very confusing as well, because I consume so much of that information online and you read so many different things and so many different perspectives and so many different places. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to know what the fuck's going on. For Ubisoft to just go out there and say, nah, Sam Fish is going out there and he's killing Black Lives Matter protesters. It's like, whoa, let's, let's slow, slow down there, buddy. Um, so- and I, one of the conversations that we kind of got into a little bit before we started recording, I think the reason that we decided to kind of keep this in the news roundup and, and touch it a little bit is I might be naive in this. You're going to have to let me know if you think I am. But I still, I don't get my tinfoil hat on when this kind of stuff happens. And the example that I gave to Jonesy, and I'll share with you guys listening, is the um, quote-unquote accidental inclusion of the Highway of Death in Call of Duty Modern Warfare last year, which was, of course, a... a real world incident from i think it was the gulf war that that happened in that was that word that terminology was used again to refer to a fictional incident uh in call of duty modern warfare's campaign and that was very controversial and that was where they one where they put their hands up and said oh we made a mistake like this was an oversight and that's kind of what ubisoft have done if i'm not mistaken with this one put their hands up and said Yes, regardless of how many people this would have had to go through, regardless of how many checks this would have passed, this was an oversight, we're sorry, and that's why we're pulling it. And for as much as, like I said, it would have to go through a lot of pairs of hands to reach us, and it does seem like a glaringly and really stupidly big oversight, I still kind of tend to believe that that's all there is to it, that there was a breakdown somewhere in that process, and this made it into a final product when it never should have. I'm not, let me put my tinfoil hat on a little bit then because yeah go for it we need another side of the because well, uh, you know, I agree with you I, and, and I think with the highway of death I think it was um, uh, for people that don't know effectively it was a highway where um, a whole load of car, uh, a convoy of cars of, I think trying to leave a city were bombed blown up because there was supposed to be um, there was fighting in the area and I think it was the Americans who bought, who ended up blowing up a load of these cars and vehicles that um, I you know I am not a historian but apparently there were like civilians involved and stuff and it was a yep. it was a war sort of a, like a bit of a tragedy obviously well a bit of a tragedy it was a tragedy um, and then in the game it was flipped so it was the Russians who did it <clears throat> and That's people right, tried yeah. to say this is American propaganda. And I agree with you, actually. In the highway death incident, I think it was almost a mistake. Um, I don't think it was them trying to actually do propaganda. But what was weird about this Ubisoft thing is it's it seems too close to the mark. It's not using a term like highway, highways exist, and highway of death is a term you could maybe come up with. To use the black fist imagery, which is everywhere at the moment, you can't act, I don't think you can accidentally include that. Can I ask a side note? Is it identical or I, is it similar? I don't think it's I don't think it's identical, but it looked from when I what I saw it looks very similar. Right. Okay. Um, but it's not. I think even because 
yeah, it, it looks too similar to be done by accident. Um, it's, I don't know if anyone's seen Community, but it's like when Chang says that we should do this bear down for um, bear down for your exams, and it's because and the only reason he's thinking of bears is because a bear mauled like loads of kids and killed them that morning, and he's like, oh, that's where I got the idea. Unless they're going for like, I've got this idea of this fist, and they just didn't know where they got it from. Yeah, but, but um, then if that is where the idea for the fist comes from, <clears> unless <throat> there was some big disconnect between the art team and the narrative team. Like, don't get an idea for the imagery from a real-life protest, especially when the trailer's going to depict them being killed by an elite squad of fucking drug cartel people from Ghost Recon and, and people, but, shit like that. Like, See, then I also think that their wording for their apology, because so they've now they've now pulled it, right? They don't include the imagery anymore, and they've released an apology on Twitter. And let me read you their apology quickly, because I do think okay. it's kind of relevant. They said, okay. imagery that appeared in the opening video sequence of Tom Clancy's Elite Squad featuring a raised fist was insensitive and harmful in both its inclusion and how it was portrayed. Um, they then go on to say that they've listened to players in the community, and the raised fist imagery will be removed um, in the next update. But for me, that doesn't say that they did it by accident and they were just dumb. That says to me that they they were trying to touch a nerve and they thought its inclusion was okay because maybe they thought they were doing more of a um uh, a broader a broader offering and they weren't necessarily saying it was bad. But when I watched yeah. that trailer, the trailer is almost like says, here are these protesters, pro like normal protesters. They're being made to do stuff by the shadowy organization. You then had the fist appear, right, on all these TV screens. So then you're like, oh, they're saying BLM. You then go on to say, Sam Fisher and his mates have got to go and kill them and they need to do it off the radar because it's not legal. It's like, this is not accidental. This is saying, that's that to me, it was it was bordering on propaganda. Like bordering, I don't, maybe... Jeez. I, I'm not saying they did it on purpose, but I'm saying it was accidental, ridiculous levels of like dumb propaganda. I don't yeah. know how else they've done it, right? It is one of those things, but that just as plausible. But no matter what the outcome of here is, the, the big takeaway is it's really fucking stupid that something this dumb could make its way through that many, I don't know, inner circles at Ubisoft. I don't know how to frame it. Can I offer another little uh, 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 perspective on this? Situation, yeah, courtesy of, of uh, man on the scene, Jason Trier, who might as well just be the fourth unofficial <laughs> member of this podcast now, because I feel like we have to bring him up every other week. He's already done an article about this on on Bloomberg, talking about how uh, they've removed the video and they're going to remove the imagery and so on and so forth. But um, to paraphrase his reporting, which uh, obviously he's got the inside scoop on this stuff, talks to employees. He said that yesterday Ubisoft staff, and yesterday meaning a couple of days ago, now at this point. Ubisoft staff expressed outrage on an internal message board. In one message seen by Bloomberg News, the game's director apologized and said they'll remove the video. The director of the game and manager of the studio behind it is Charlie Gimo. If that name sounds familiar, it's because his father is Eve Gilmo, Ubisoft CEO. Now this part's got people thinking, <laughs> wow. get this. Charlie Gilmo graduated university in 2014 and became studio manager in 2014. Wow. Over the weekend, a number of Ubisoft staff has posted furious messages about the video on the company's internal forum, MANA, apparently it's called. One message with a couple dozen likes started off with the sentence, I'm sincerely exhausted by everything related to Ubisoft. By the way, Ubisoft has been planning another Ubisoft Forward video game reveal stream for the very near future next week, I believe. Once again, their timing is impeccable. So lots of fingers being pointed about everything going off with Ubisoft at the moment because obviously they had a lot of the they were involved in a lot of the sexual harassment sexual abuse right. nepotism stuff going on the Gimo family under a, a lot of fire 
um, their questionable response to some of those accusations, which were ironically timed around the last Ubisoft award, were, were, were drawn into question. And now we've got the fact that the studio responsible for this game and its marketing is run by Yves Guillemot's son, who got put in charge of the entire studio the second he graduated university. I think what's interesting about this is rather than being something that was a complete like accident, like I, I genuinely think the Call of Duty thing was, um, for me, this sort of pangs, something that we probably have experienced working at like a big company, right? Um, or like a, a larger company is as you, when you work for bigger companies, right? You see the stratas you have in businesses. You see the fact that, for example, like people like to say that the that the media is really right wing, right? But we worked for a, effectively a media company in the past, and everyone on the ground floor that was making content was the opposite to that. Very progressive, very left wing, very liberal. Yep. I'm sure people were not surprised to hear that, like some sort of new media people are like that. And those guys decided what went out on what we made. They decided on the editorial. They decided on the voice. Like there was no hand from the top directing content we were making however that having been said when you're dealing with a big product like uh, a game or uh, you know like a big movie or something like that the influence from the top is obviously going to be um, a lot more obvious because they at the end of the day have to make a lot more decisions you're not going to let them the people on the ground um, write the scripts if you're making a movie it's going through whole loads of checks Jamie like you said and it's going through a whole load of upper circles and upper echelons it maybe is a little bit more um, of an example how different stratas different even rungs on the on the ladder in a company are representing or, or their politics is represented because the higher up you go the more you might view something as somebody like blm as um you know oh they're inciting protests or they're doing this or they're not not it's, a positive it's, thing it's possible we're on the ground level you might have more people going no they're fighting for rights and they're fighting for this so it's maybe yep. is more of of that is is the top echelon showing that you know they what? watch different news start, news sites and read different news stories it, it, it's funny you even mentioned media companies that we've worked for in the past jonesy because we've worked for companies with a fraction of the number of employees of ubisoft and you're absolutely right in saying a lot of the people you know at the ground floor a lot of the people coming into the company just after graduating university or what have you and a lot of the people putting the bulk of the work into the product itself were quite progressive in their views and and that was represented in a lot of what was made but you could even make the argument in a lot of those argument that in a lot of those smaller companies the higher up the chain you went you know the more rungs of that ladder you went up the less progressive it got the more accusations of nepotism there were, the more accusations and the ideas yeah. of the boys club there were. You almost get little manifestations of this, little pockets of this in media companies almost any size. That's true. So when yeah. you draw yeah. that up to Ubisoft, yeah, there probably are like, it's very possible that that is where this kind of stuff can emerge. And obviously you hope that the, the kind of the structure you were talking about weeds the stuff out because again, you think a lot of the people donating the ideas and the art and the writing to these kind of projects are self-aware, more self-aware at least, and more aware of what's going on in the world than those people nearer the top. And that's kind of what roots out issues like this and stops them from happening. But this seems to be a consistent problem for for not just Ubisoft, but uh, it seems every now and then. Like there was a, There's a, a game called Spiritfarer that uh, arrived on Game Pass in this past week, got really good reviews, seemed like this really kind of quaint, side-scrolling game with elements of kind of like minecraft and and interesting stories and stuff like that they've had to issue an apology today for not having the right stance on ableism or something like that right. you know everyone's everyone's and i know that there's different degrees of that like the writing not being very inclusive about like ableism or whatever the word is i'm sorry i'm not 
great with the vocab nowadays and accidentally including or maybe even intentionally including blm imagery different sort of realms but it feels like everyone's fucking up somewhere and sometimes it's because we're becoming more aware and we're policing that stuff i know it's a rough word to use right now but you know what i mean policing that stuff better than we used to before and yet other times it's just because it's a little bit more on the nose as ubisoft was it's fascinating though either way it is it is it's definitely interesting yeah and with that yeah i think we're probably about out of time aren't we we've covered all the news i mean we've been going for about an hour and a half by my money do you think that's a good time to stop? Because the other the other thing, I, I, here's the thing. There's one more thing I could throw out there, but once I've said it out loud, we're kind of committed to entertaining it in a way that I, I, I'm going to have to rely on you. Should I mention it? Yeah, I think do it. Okay. So basically, we were in the process of getting together new stories to talk about this week. Uh, and when we first sat down to talk, that Super Mario Direct hadn't even happened. So we were super worried that it was going to be a shit news for a week. And uh, we asked the people in our Discord on the Podcast MA channel if they had any questions for us. And indeed, some people uh, did. Some questions, Jonesy, I'm just not going to uh, entertain. <laughs> like Grimbaker right. like just came out, will the PS4 controller work on the PS5? That is not an accepted <laughs> question. We're not doing that. We're never doing that again. Um, but some of these questions were kind of good. Um I would say we'll do them quick fire, but I know some of them uh, are going to be... They're the kind of questions that are really good, and you read them, and you think, well, this needs a good answer, and you sit there for 30 seconds trying to think of your answer, <laughs> which makes for uh, makes for great podcasting. But should we try it anyway? Yeah, let's do it. I'll try. I'll How many- I can, I can, as everyone knows, I can chat shit. That makes no sense. It's fine. I'll tell you what, that's, that's great. I'll ask the question, you chat shit, and that will give me time to think yeah, about right. a real answer, so I'll look like the smart guy. My thought about answer will probably be make as much sense as my um, chat yeah. shit answer anyway, so we'll just go for it. As a well, comment I said from last week. This one I do actually have uh, something of an answer for, which is, uh, this is from Summer Geralt, who said, which game made you guys love gaming? So th- this is a, this is almost an impossible question for me. I can't remember a time ever when I didn't game, if that makes sense. So I don't really, I can't really put my finger on like a game. There are games which even to this day, I fondly look back upon and I remember um, having like a big influence on me and they would be games like uh, Royal Rumble on the snares, um, Turtles in Time, again on the snares. Uh, I think Batman 89, I think I had on the Amstrad. Um, <laughs> uh, then, um, and, and I think Pilot Wings was one that I rem- I have really like good memories of like my, because, you know, everyone now knows my dad is a pilot or everyone who, well, they do. I talked about it earlier. Um, and so he was really into that. Like he was like, yeah, let's play Pilot Wings. We can fly around in this little SNES game. And me, him and my brother used to play that all the time. Um, so they're the ones that sort of jump out at me. There were then games that I played that were just really cool, and now everyone knows them because they they have stood the test of time and they're really fondly talked about, like um, Contra Contra Spirits. I was I forget the name so, of that game. S- say the name of the Super Probe Protect Alien not- Rebels. There you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> which I I loved. I played and finished back when it came out, and never knew that it was a game that was was going to be that influential. And then when I got older and started working on a gaming channel, and people talked about Contra, I was like, "What the hell is this Contra Spirits game?" And then it was like it's Super <laughs> Probe Protect Alien Rebels. I used to love playing this when I was a kid. Uh, Were you one of the kids that grew up watching? Let me get this right. A teenage. 
Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Hero Turtles, yeah, because the yeah. UK wouldn't let ninjas be on TV. <laughs> yeah, or something so like yeah, that. We were too scared of ninjas, so they became hero turtles. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't have ninjas, had to have heroes. Um <laughs> But for me it was it was the the SNES. It was the Super Nintendo for me really solidified my love of gaming. And it was me and my brother playing uh couch co-op as uh, there was no other type then. Um just across the board and just absolutely loving playing those games and then I never I never looked back so I suppose it was more of a system than it was of a, of a specific game I guess. that makes sense I, I think I think that I can actually relate to that fully and for me interestingly enough you talk about kind of pastimes with uh, your brother and, and your dad and stuff like that my memories in terms of things that made me love gaming or things that kind of uh, built the foundations from which I, I've reached now in terms of where I'm at with gaming actually come from the systems and the games that made me feel independent from anything else. Oh, okay. Because my brother is only about three years younger than me, so he gamed as well, and we had a lot of stuff that we played together. And also, weirdly enough, my dad was something of a gamer, at least when he was younger. So consoles like the PS1, the PS2, and stuff like that, those were my dad's. He bought right. them himself. Most of the games were his. He actually had his own shelf of games that I wasn't allowed to play, like <laughs> State of Emergency and The Getaway. Um, nice. And... So that meant that the consoles that I kind of got on my own and was allowed to keep in my bedroom and buy my own games for ended up being the ones that meant the most to me. And the two that stand out, the GameCube, and I'd throw out games like Super Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Bros. Melee. And no, I'm not a Smash Bros. guy, but, you know, I was a kid and those games are for children. Um, and Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And then on the 360, it was games like Oblivion and Gears of War and stuff like some of those sort of 2005, 2006 titles, maybe even Bioshock to an extent. Um the, the GameCube ones were like a little bit of independence of like, I'm now playing games that I can just sit in my room and play by myself and get lost in like Wind Waker for hours on end. And with the 360 ones, it was like, now I'm a grown up. Now I'm playing Gears of War on my own in my bedroom. Now I've got Xbox Live and I'm doing this, that and the other. Now I'm playing Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare over Xbox Live. And I was one of those whiny voice teams <laughs> that would have been telling you to fuck your mum. Of course you um, were. It's funny, I just remembered one you said about what, what made you feel like an adult. So I remember the game which made me put away... What's the, what's the saying? Um, when I was a kid, I spoke like a kid, but when I was an adult, I put away childish things. I remember the game that made me feel like that and maybe gives me such a... Not visceral reaction, but kind of makes me laugh inside every time you and Chris talk about like Super Mario being like game of the year or something. <laughs> and that was, this is going to sound ridiculous now, but that was G Police on the PlayStation 1 because that was the first game that I'd played that I was genuinely blown away by how incredible the graphics looked, which if you know right. what that game looks like is hilarious <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> Go and look up on YouTube if you don't know what G Police looks like. Oh, the draw distance was about a meter. It was about a meter and a half. That was like, uh, on the N64, it was a given that any third-person game, you'd just be surrounded by the world's thickest fog within <laughs> 10 feet of you. But like on the PS1, it was something else as well, occasionally, yeah. and G-Police was evidence of that. But the I, I, I used to make people watch the cutscenes from G-Police to show them how incredible graphics were, and be like, this is how... Because I, was, I wasn't very old, I was maybe like 12, 13, I guess, when it came out, and it made that was the game that made me stop playing um, like cutesy platformers. Like I didn't, you know, like Sonic and... Uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot and things like that. I, I moved on to more what I thought were grown-up games after that. But yeah, there you go. Decent. Um, we actually, as ever, we're quite good at talking for longer than I thought we'd be able to. So um, we'll keep them brief because well, but that's the thing. There's another like probably ten or so questions. So what if I just picked out one more that's kind of half funny, half quick fire, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. 
Uh, this one comes in from the ever-lovable Peaswood. Shout out to you, big man. And he just says, which video game character do you most wish you were like? I think that's kind of funny to think about that. Oh. I wonder if you've got an answer. I've got a jokey answer. Go on. But at the same time, I kind of mean it. Duke Nukem. <laughs> I can see you being like Duke Nukem. I wish... Obviously, look, I'd have to be fucking... I'd have to be stacked, right? I'd have to be an absolute unit. I'd have to have very different hair to what I have now. I have to wear sunglasses, which I don't. I'd have to wear vests, which I don't. But there's something about... And I, I don't mean this in terms of the most recent game. I even forget what it's called. The one that was an absolute nightmare. Um, fuck, what was that oh, game uh, Forever. Forever. Duke Nukem Forever. Forever. But like old school Duke Nukem, there was a certain... Love him or hate him, there was a certain swagger about about his arrogance, about the way he spoke to people. Uh, you'd maybe have to clean up some of the dialogue and interactions he had with women because they were a little bit outdated. I will uh, concede that much. But... Um, I'd love to be a Duke Nukem style character in the face of an alien invasion. Nice. Shigid, baby. I, mine's going to sound will... ridiculous now because I, I <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to sound well, terrible. It's not going to sound that ridiculous because I don't actually want to be like Duke well, Nukem. Exactly, right? No. If I was actually like Duke Nukem, I'd be locked up inside a week. Uh, yeah, and mine's not much better because if I had to pick anyone like that, it'd probably be um, Kratos. I've always had a, I've always what? had a, I've always had a soft you... spot for the ghost of Sparta. You've basically <laughs> just said, oh yeah, I want to, I, I want to be a, a demigod who murders his own family and then goes on a murdering rampage and everyone else responsible. Do you know what? The, he is like the the uber sort of like brooding anti-hero who doesn't want any of it but it is thrust upon him time and time again and he goes oh and pulls out his axe and he's in and when you get to like god of war like playstation 4 god of war yeah they ramp up to 11 and he's just he's just so intense and so kind of like oh all right i guess i'll go climb a mountain destroy the gods tear everything apart destroy the entire world yeah. if i have to and i quite like the, that. O- the, the only thing i'd say is that if i had duke nukem and kratos in my contacts on my mobile phone <laughs> duke nukem is the kind of person i'd probably have the energy for once or twice a year every now and then i'd be like look i don't want him here i don't want to go for drinks with him if he's going i'm not going but every now and then i'd be like okay fine let's invite duke and let's let's see what happens you might make it entertaining i've got i've got the patience for it if kratos if i had his number i would never call him ever because every time he he he, first of all he wouldn't answer the phone he'd hang up on me and if he did get him to text back he'd be in a bad mood kratos doesn't happy when's that guy happy even when he's fucking he's a little bit angry about it yeah but you know he likes it like that i don't know i think (laughs) I get what you mean. That the, the, when you say brooding anti-hero, I understand that archetype. But I think Kratos is just a weirdly um, angry, anti-social version of that. Do you know? I tell, I, I tell you, look, like, because realistically, obviously, I wouldn't want to be like Kratos. It would just be cool to him. But I tell you, who I would like to be if I actually had a choice in real life, and that would be Sully from um, uh, Uncharted. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm getting older anyway, and if I could become a bit of a Sully character, I think that'd be quite cool. He's a bit of a ladies' man. He can he can fly a plane. He's a bit cool, but he's not he's not as try-hard as Nathan Drake is. I think I could be a Agreed. Sully. I think that's what sucks about the casting of Sully in the upcoming movie, which obviously they've gone for a younger Drake, so they're going for a slightly younger Sully. I get it, but Mark Wahlberg does not exude any of any Sully-like Is he Sully? Unless I'm mistaken, oh, Mark's, do Mark, one. What is that? Mark, Mark Wahlberg is the kind of the young Sully to Tom Holland's young Drake. 
I might have to fact check that line. No, no, it sounds. I, I don't know anything about it, so I'm sure because, that's right. Because um, that he was atrocious. To, he was attached to the project when it first came around. He was going to be Nathan Drake, and now I think the understanding is he's probably a bit too old. And they've confirmed, I believe, it's a prequel to the games. Right. So he's a young. So it makes sense. Sully. I'm younger. In, in, according to IMDb, Tom Holland, Nathan Drake, Mark Wahlberg, Victor Sullivan, and the only the other uh, the only other person I know there is Antonio Banderas, whose role has not yet been. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like um, Mark Wahlberg as an actor. I don't know the guy. I don't like him as an actor. I tell you something about him as a guy. He did up once beat up a Vietnamese man with a stick just for being Vietnamese. Didn't I he, think he was Vietnamese anyway. Didn't he blind him in one eye or something? Probably. Mark Wahlberg, turns out, used to be a bit of a piece of shit and probably still is in some respects, but he's too famous for anyone to care right now. I think that's probably true of a lot of a lot of people like that. Go on, yeah, listen. but I think we're used to people being dicks. Like Benicio Del Toro, I look at him and he's like, he's probably a dick. And then there's like, yeah, I just beat someone up with a stick because I'm a racist motherfucker. You the, know? the weird thing about actors, and I think if anyone out there... Oh my God. Doesn't get this or doesn't realize this, but actors, male actors, are actually very short. And the reason is, is because if you're casting for movies, um, so I used to shoot red carpets a lot. And um, one thing you notice quite early on is actors in general are quite short because the feet, like women, are generally shorter, and you don't want to have to try and frame up two people like this. So you get people that are kind of on a similar height. So you get taller women and shorter guys. So weirdly, I bet if you met all these people in person, they'd be like five foot five. I bet. I bet Mark Wahlberg's quite little, and he's probably got I a bet bit of. Um, Honestly, what? I feel bad. I'm going to retract everything I've ever said that's bad about Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Do you know what? We're starting a new trend today. No more are we going to talk about known murderer Matthew Broderick. Do you know what the new one is? <laughs> Go on. Known racist Mark Wahlberg. Jones wow. The, the, the shit that I'm seeing. Can I read you some of this? Maybe we shouldn't get into it on the podcast if it's this bad. We'll talk about it after and we'll, we'll discuss it on the Discord. Okay, for anyone that's curious, go to Mark Wahlberg's Wikipedia page and go to the legal issues section and then literally just read the first para- the first sentence. The first sentence of Mark Wahlberg's legal issues stuff says the N-word twice. Wow. There you go. Matthew Broderick so has, been, um, has been let off the hook and Mark no, Wahlberg No, in is... fact, you know what? you're right. We shouldn't let him off the hook because he's a murderer. So let's do it. Let's pair them up together. Maybe that's what we should say. Um, people is the, the special message or whatever that people have to put in the comments for this episode is um, no, Matthew, no murderer Matthew Broderick, comma, no, full, no murderer Matthew Broderick, full stop, known racist Mark Wahlberg. Jesus Christ. Okay. That's, we're going to keep very it, strong. Hey, and you know what? I'm going to make a pledge. We're going to add to the list every month until we get sued. Jesus Christ. I don't want to get sued. We haven't got any money. I do. Jonesy, Christ. have you never heard the the, the uh, thing, all publicity is good publicity? Yeah, I have. I don't believe and it. And I've already got our defense. You know what? I'll represent us in court. I go up with a briefcase full of news, newspaper shavings and I'll say, we're just paraphrasing Wikipedia. Uh, I rest my uh, case, Your Honor. At this point, I should say that the, um, the thoughts and the comments of... Uh, Jamie are his own and do not represent the thoughts of no, the management. Do you, do, you, do you know why? Do you know why I'm comfortably calling a, a Mark Wahlberg a known racist? I don't want to know because now you're going to tell me what Wikipedia's told you, and then yeah, that is you know slanderous. I was going to no, I was just going to quote Wikipedia because it can't be slander if you quote Wikipedia. Wikipedia is just made up by people. It doesn't even necessarily true. There's a source from this, and it's called. Uh, it's from the article back in the day: colon Marky Mark's rap sheet, the original smoking gun, page two, and it's archived. I don't think I don't know if that means it's a, a um, worthwhile source. <laughs> I'm reading it. The Smoking Gun. Back in the day, Marky Mark's rap sheet. Wow. And it's, and it's wow. It's 
I mean, some strong. of these things are literal like uh, re- police reports. Oh, let's I'll tell you what. Let's... He was he was charged he was charged with attempted murder. He pled guilty to felony assault. He was sentenced to two years in jail. He blinded someone. That's what I'd heard before he blinded someone. Well, I bet. Um... <laughs> but I'll tell you what, should we cut this off here and we'll make it we'll do it. We'll, were filed against him. Well, I think we should do a whole After Dark special about um, celebrities and what they got up to that you didn't know about. I think it might be quite he a fun one to, he had to apply. He had to apply for a pardon in 2014. What for? For his previous convictions. No, but why did he need a pardon? Um, it doesn't say why. He just he just applied for one. Oh, maybe he couldn't like because sometimes you get issues where they can't travel and stuff, right? I know that the UK is re- hasn't let certain people into the country because they've got criminal records, which is kind of weird. But then yeah. yes, they, maybe they get a pardon. He he's, was apparently hoping to get his criminal record erased, stating in his application to the Massachusetts Board of Pardons that he has dedicated himself to becoming a better person. <laughs> this has you know got this has like gone so weird. Known racist Mark Wahlberg. Well, hey, look. Th- if you've joined, if you if you've stayed with us this long in the podcast, then uh, yeah, um, let us know in the comments down below. And if you want, use Jamie's little um, uh, little suggestion there to let us know that you got yeah. this far. That we went hash, the full, hash, we went full full Wahlberg by the end. We um, went full Wahlberg. Hashtag stream good vibrations. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us uh, you can get us on Twitter or on YouTube um, at Super Show Pod and you can reach out or you can find us on podcasting platforms as well um, we also have a Discord and you can get on there for as little as $2 I believe I can never remember how much it is um, yeah. we do additional content uh, on our Patreon as well if $5 and up gets you some additional content there's some um, extra podcasts and a spoiler cast which was most enjoyable about Last of Us Part 2 on there so there's some cool stuff to check out but thank you very much for joining me this week Jamie hopefully next week we'll have the three of us back again in the hot seats um yeah and with that all that's left to do is to say goodbye so goodbye see you next time